0: The Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed.
1: flower politic podcast it is the 14th of may year for lord 2018 and that was from the nra convention where they mocked cnn i thought it was pretty funny considering how bad cnn is and right off the bat on this monday podcast i want to cover the north korean hostages that we returned and per usual with our media no Accomplishment is a victory for Trump. Um, the media said things like this. NBC's Hallie Jackson wines Hostage release choreographed a stage production. And I want you to remember Bo Bergdahl. How they brought the Taliban father out there. For an American traitor. Not a hero. He was a traitor. He got fellow soldiers killed. He walked off the base. He was a loser. And they carted him out. The media had no problem with that choreographed presentation. It was so bad in our media. the Babylon B, which has been pretty straight up, actually wrote this CNN report. Evil Trump kidnaps three people from North Korea, paradise. An exclusive new CNN report revealed Tuesday excuse me, Thursday, that President Trump had kidnapped three people from the paradise of North Korea, forcing them to get on a plane and return to the United States against their wishes. A teary-eyed CNN anchor broke the story, visibly enraged at the egregious act of international terrorism. CNN reporters had discovered that the three visitors had been in North Korea, enjoying a vacation for many months before Trump unilaterally decided to have them forcibly flown back to America, even aggressively accosting them when they landed. This heartbreaking story shows just how low President Trump will go, the anchor said, his voice quavering. How much longer will this country allow this madman to go on trampling the name of the United States on the world stage? This is an unprecedented act for a sitting president to personally kidnap perfectly happy visitors to the communist wonderland of North Korea. The time for impeachment is now, he added, beginning to chant, impeach Trump, impeach Trump, impeach Trump. At publishing time, sources of CNN have been able to confirm that Trump is planning on flying to a meeting with Kim Jong-un, where the two will discuss how to most efficiently destroy and enslave the world. Want more proof before I play the audio? David Nakamura my colleagues who traveled to Yang with Pompeo said reporters were not allowed to speak with freed Americans to respect privacy, but first thing Trump did on their arrival was trot them over to talk to the media and listen to them boast about TV ratings. Full disclosure, I was there at Joint Base Andrews, and I was shouting to the three American questions such as, how were you treated, which Trump encouraged one Kim Dong Chul to answer. He said he had to do hard labor, but also got some medical attention. But I found the whole thing a bit uncomfortable. The They they guys were released 20 hours earlier after more than a year each in captivity. Pence later said that one of the men hadn't seen daylight during detention. Then they get off a plane that does the media camera floodlights, etc. Somebody mocked him. I found it disturbing that these three Americans were trotted around in front of the media. Oh, by the way, I was there screaming questions at them. But yeah, totally disturbing. Ten out of ten tweets here. Mr. Nakamura. They are so bad. And this is how bad they are.
2: Good evening. It's great to have you with us here in a very busy Wednesday night. Three Americans held hostage in North Korea are on their way home right now. President Trump first tweeting that they were on their way. It comes ahead of his face to face with Kim Jong Un. The three men flying out with Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. President Trump says he plans to be there when they arrive at Andrews Air Force Base at 2 in the morning, just as Iran tonight sends the president its own message after he tore up the nuclear deal. The prize I want is victory for the world. But even
3: as he pursues one nuclear deal, he is facing global blowback for pulling out of another. In Iran today, anti-American protests, including the burning of American flags and photos of President Trump. Lawmakers there are questioning the president's, quote, mental capacity and threatening to restart its nuclear program.
0: Breaking news overnight. The three men formally detained in North Korea have returned to the continental United States. President Trump on hand to greet them, saying that Kim Jong-un was, quote, nice to let them go before the planned meeting between the two leaders. Was Kim nice to imprison them in the first place? We're going to have full analysis of that also this morning.
4: When I hear Donald Trump talking about uh, Kim Jong-un in terms of nice, saying he's nice, it, it's... It's just. Uh, first of all, who do you give? Who do you call nice? Who's kidnapped three Americans? The
0: president celebrating the return of these hostages. He's clearly very keen to get a win out of this. Would you be concerned that he might go into the negotiations with too much desire to get a win, and paradoxically that might kind of box him into a corner?
5: Jeff Zeleny, to you, obviously. You know, it's 2.26 in the morning, the president is there, he knows that this is a feel-good moment. Um, And there's some reporting out there that maybe, you know, Donald Trump believes that this this success in the foreign policy field might be enough, you know, to distract attention away from the Robert Mueller investigation into Russia, the the criminal investigation of his own personal attorney, you know, the Story Daniels affair. Um, uh, What's sort of thinking there in the White House? What have you heard? There's no question that all of these weighty matters here are indeed uh, giving the president something to focus on. Uh, you know, the uh, Mueller investigation is indeed alive and well, but, uh, the White House officials and, uh, you know, supporters of the president actually hope he can focus on something substantive like the uh, release of these uh, three Americans and indeed this uh, diplomacy here.
1: It's like they can't be happy when America succeeds, because now Trump is the president. Whereas before, even in our failures, Obama the deity, the anointed one, the holier-than-thou savior who was bringing Hopi and changey to a theater near you, he got credit for fuck-ups. Like it was an accomplishment. Oh, it's okay, it's Bush's fault. So, I had to do that up front. I also had to do this one. Jim Acosta is still stuck on his Pepe le Frog bullshit that most Americans have no clue. I had to look it up. Remember, we talked about a couple podcasts ago. I don't even know what that was and how it had something to do with white power and shit. Woman holds up Pepe the Frog doll as she leaves Trump rally in Indiana. There's a picture of a girl in a red, white, and blue Trump Um. A red, white, and blue outfit at a Trump rally, and she holds it up smiling at the reporters. Stephen Miller, one thing I thought journalists would surely learn is maybe not upload pics of people from Trump rallies with a condescending wink. That lesson apparently also didn't take post election. The woman in question, Zonum at TV. Retweeted to Jim Acosta. This is definitely not my best picture. He got my wrong side, but I'm proud to be a Mexican American woman who puts our country first. Thanks for the fame, Jim. You made my Trump, my first Trump rally experience a lot better. <laughs> so after being embarrassed by everybody because the girl did it on purpose just to mock Jim Acosta, and he took the bait. He then posted, this is my Cuban father who came to the USA as a refugee at the age 11. He assimilated quite well. He even enjoyed our national pastime, baseball. This is us seeing Cuban team play the Orioles of Baltimore. Alex Griswold, I appreciate the sentiment, but an old Cuban guy getting into baseball is like the worst example of assimilation you could have picked. <laughs> it is true. Cuban. Come on, folks. South America, it, most of our baseball players come from South America. So how's that assimilation? And you're, you haven't assimilated Jim Acosta. You want a socialist republic of the United States. That's not who we are. And you're an activist, not a journalist. So, uh, those are the upfront things that I, I could not mix up in the middle because right off the bat, the media is at it again. So let's fire
6: for effect. I'm <ekaanlock> sorry.
0: Uh, Andrea, you were there for the negotiations. I I watched you reporting on it day in and day out. Bring us back to that moment uh, when the U.S. was dealing with Iran in order to get this done and and why, at the time, it felt like such an important negotiation, why it needed to happen then. Well, Iran
7: was basically uh, months, only months, away from having a nuclear weapon. And the fact is that the Allies decided six countries plus the European Union The permanent members of the U.N. Security Council plus Germany and the European Union decided that it was worth it to get a deal that would have them as signatories to the nonproliferation treaty, have permanent eyes on U.N. inspectors, more than 400 inspections so far since the Iran deal was signed, and be able to go to places that they had not been previously able to go to, and a permanent break in the fuel line where they can not get... Uh, nuclear fuel for all of these years that that was worth not negotiating on missiles and not negotiating on Iran's support for terrorism in the region. So they deliberately blocked off the areas that the president is most concerned about. They also have a time limit on it where uh, there's a permanent agreement not to develop. But in fact, they will be able to get some reprocessing for non-nuclear weapons grade uranium, as well as some centrifuges uh, dip back by uh, 2025 and 2030. That was the deal and the, the idea was that they would block a nuclear program at least for those many of ye- many years and that the breakout would be at least one year if Iran were to cheat because they would have these multiple inspections. So Andrew that was the, what the world has the argued timeline, is worth
8: it. What's the
0: timeline now? If the breakout was a year while we were in the deal, uh, right. what does it look like now? Are we, are we now counting down to that year mark? Well, it would depend now exactly what the
7: regime does. The problem is that by reneging on the deal, the U.S. and the President said today it's going to be the strictest form of sanctions, which means that any European company that wants to deal in banks and in dollars, which is the world's uh, denomination, cannot do any business with Iran. And Iran said that they were agreeing to this deal because they were going to be welcomed back into the world, into the world economy. It will affect oil prices because they are the third largest oil producer and prices will go up. P- Americans will feel this at the pump. So no matter what the U.S. does now, they have basically said to the rest of the world, we are not obeying an agreement that we signed and that the United States of America, under one administration, can sign deals, but it will not be trusted mm-hmm. by subsequent presidents.
0: Um, uh, Ali, uh, you're, you're in Tehran. Uh, President Rouhani has reacted. Will the Iranians stay in the deal? Have they announced?
3: Anguished by today's decision, former President Obama. The Iran deal, his chief foreign policy accomplishment. Today, in a statement, he warns the United States could eventually be left with a losing choice between a nuclear-armed Iran or another war in the Middle East. And tonight, from Iran's president, an ominous threat. Hassan Rouhani announcing he has ordered Iran scientists to prepare to start enriching uranium again if necessary.
0: Here in Iran, President Hassan Rouhani went on TV almost immediately to respond. He said pulling out of the deal had damaged America's credibility, but crucially he said that as far as Iran is concerned, the nuclear deal is not yet dead. Iran, he said, will try with the other five signatories to make the agreement work, minus the United States. But there's no guarantee. Remember, the deal said that Iran would get access to the international banking system in exchange for ending its nuclear programs. But if the U.S. sanctions, the one President Donald Trump is planning, cut off Iran's access to banks, then Iran could still walk away from the deal. Major powers around the world tonight have called President Trump's decision a mistake.
9: Instant reaction to President Trump's announcement in Iran, where President Hassan Rouhani came out near midnight to say he'll stick with the deal even without the U.S., but threatening what could happen if the now wounded agreement crumbles entirely. If Iranian benefits in the deal aren't provided, he said, Iran is ready to resume industrial nuclear activity across europe there's a chill tonight that the u s under president trump may not be a reliable partner anymore an unusual joint statement read it is with regret and concern that we the leaders of france
10: germany and the united kingdom take note it's a move critics say makes us less safe i think so and could lead to war remember when trump campaigned on no more stupid wars in the middle east well now the neocons have his ear and that's over with. So much for the argument against stupid wars he's now heading toward ones, perhaps. Well, the dangers of Trump's decisions are clear. Alienating our allies, blowing up a deal that by all accounts is working, and most ominously risking some sort of conflict in the Middle East. There was no violation claimed by the by the United States. We, even Trump with his full cry of neoconism today, and, and crazy regime talk, and all the wackiness of what he had to say. Never once said Iran broke the deal. So okay, we're the France, ones
2: breaking the deal. Absolutely. We, we he violated the deal, and now this gives Iran a way out. They can basically leave the deal without penalty, without consequences. They could restart their program in a matter of months. Bill, bold talk by another one of
10: these uh, chicken hawks. I mean, big on talk, you know. No military experience in his life. Here we go. Well,
11: let's be clear. He is the brains behind this operation at this point, because Donald Trump himself is driven entirely by pettiness against Barack Obama. Yeah. He, right, he calls himself a deal-maker. There's not a single deal he hasn't pulled the United States out of, and he hasn't any deals in his time in office either. Uh, you have John he just
10: Bol- wants to erase Barack Obama, like exactly. saying he's a and, foreigner who snuck in the country and then get rid of Obamacare and get rid of this.
11: Right, And John Bolton is the one who has an ideology and it's it's regime change. Regime change appeared in this speech out of nowhere when this really was a technical deal directed at stopping Iran from developing a nuclear bomb. This was never a deal intended or okay. even presented as something that was supposed to stop Iran from all of its other nefarious
12: activities in the region.
9: People that I've been speaking to think that there were several consequences that are going to come from this. Uh, It decreases trust in U.S. commitments. It emboldens the hardliners in Iran. It makes conflict in the region more likely, and it surrenders the moral high ground to Iran.
10: Part of this looks like just uh, Trump's obsession with getting rid of anything that Barack Obama accomplished. It just smacks of pettiness, uh, like getting rid of the Paris Agreement, getting rid of Obamacare, getting rid of Obama...
13: Well, I was struck by John Bolton standing at the door as you saw President Trump exit. Look, this is the regime change crew. They're back in town. They're ascendant. And it sounds very much like that is what President Trump is hoping for, that they can squeeze and squeeze and squeeze until the regime he described collapsed. They've tried it many, many, many decades, and it hasn't actually worked. I think also he said things like, you know, we will not allow American cities to be threatened. Well, that's not Iran's missile program. That's actually North Korea's missile program that can. Reach the United States. And he said things like, we're united with our allies. Well, that is clearly not the case around this deal. And finally, I think, to the questions by the reporters that were hurled at the president as he went out, how does this make America safer? It is incredibly difficult to try to fathom that sitting from here. Now, whether Iran decides to stay in the deal, whether the Europeans can make it work, we'll see. But that is that is the worst case scenario that. You know, it's back to military confrontation. How else do you work this out? I just was texting with a senior European diplomat who was watching the president's speech to echo what Jim just said. He called it a disaster.
7: And I said, Well what about this notion? Could he could this sort of from your perspective crazy idea that just ripping it up and starting over may actually work? And the response was, How could it? We have no leverage anymore.
11: Jason, mm-hmm. can I I mean can I ask you this question? I mean, sure. doesn't this give a ram? Uh, a propaganda win?
14: Of course. Uh, two points that I want to make really quickly. One, uh, the President mentioned uh, Americans' hostages held in Iran over the years and also the hostages currently being held in North Korea. I don't see a way out for these people now. There's no more. Uh, No more mechanism to negotiate with the Iranians. You're
15: talking about the hostages in Iran. In Iran right now. Not North
14: Korea. Not North Korea. The the five Americans that are currently being held in Iran, and Bob Levinson, who we haven't heard about in about 11 years, these people are going to get lost in the shuffle, unfortunately. Secondly, the people of Iran were very supportive of this nuclear deal in 2015 when it started because of the promise of uh, better economy, better economic situation coming out from under the, uh, the weight of sanctions. If we reimpose those sanctions right now, their situation is going to get much worse. Yesterday, the Iranian currency hit its lowest rate against the dollar in history. Mm -hmm. That's going to get even worse. So I think that that the rhetoric coming out of Tehran will be very strong, uh, but I also think that there will be a lot of disappointment among the Iranian people. This is a
9: gift to the hardliners in Mm Iran. Whatever leverage we had, the president just destroyed it by blowing up international unity. It took years to put together an international coalition to exert the kind of pressure to get Iran to the table. That, in one fell swoop, in ten minutes, is gone. There's going to be profound disunity, not just with the Europeans, but with the Russians, the Chinese, countries around the world that buy oil from Iran. That means that our only solution is going to be to go after our own allies, to sanction them, to stop them from doing business with Iran. So, we're actually turning this into an internal battle among the good guys, instead of keeping the focus on Iran. And to the extent there's a coalition that's needed to put pressure on Iran for all the bad things it's doing in the region and beyond, that's gone too. Well, I got- Uh, Not only does it undermine international trust in uh, the, the United States' ability to keep its word, but everybody's ability to keep their word, because everybody's name who was on that original Iran contract is now having to explain why the contract is being torn up, even though U.S. intelligence, the IAEA, all say that Iran is complying with the deal. So it hurts U.S. credibility. It hurts the credibility of the U.S. allies. It draws a wedge between the U.S. and its allies.
7: So no matter what the U.S. does now, they have basically said to the rest of the world, we are not obeying an agreement that we signed and that the United States of America, under one administration, can sign deals, but it will not be trusted Mm. by subsequent presidents.
16: President Trump has his work cut out for him, and he is working, uh, having now isolated the United States on this, on the trade war that Europeans are very worried about could come forward, on the Paris Climate Accords. They don't see President Trump as a deal maker, at least with Europe, and they fear that by withdrawing the United States from the Iran nuclear deal, he's just made the Middle East a much more dangerous place. But they're going to try and come up with a plan B to...
0: He told us what millions of ordinary Iranians are saying, that the nuclear deal hasn't yet, as promised, improved their lives. And now that President Trump's pulled out, they're facing even more hardships under renewed sanctions.
9: I haven't got a job. I am very worried about my future and my family.
0: Are you prepared for hard times? I
17: think it's very harder than today.
0: And then... Clearly concerned about regime spies eavesdropping on him, he added. And I got fear when I talking with you in this country. The fact is, Iranians feel like hostages, not only to their own corrupt, repressive government, but also to an inexplicably... So, of
1: course, during our week hiatus, he pulled out the Rand deal. Up front... Anybody who's listened to my podcast understands how much I fucking hate Iran. Iran was supplying the very high-tech IEDs that were killing Americans during our war there in Iraq. And per usual, Obama, who's secretary of, um, excuse me, her chief of staff, Valerie Jarrett, was huge Iran lackeys because she's Iranian. They love the Muslim Brotherhood. There's plenty of links to the Obama administration and doing horrible shit. And as we covered on the last show, John Kerry was illegally under the Logan Act trying to save this deal. But this deal just gave a bunch of money to Iran. There's been numerous reports, even by the Washington Post and the New York Times, for you liberals, so they count, not Fox News, that Iran wasn't even sticking to the deal. So we stuck it to them and pulled out. Right off the bat, the Democrats, who would rather side with Iraq, Iran, they would have sided with Mars if Mars attacked us, because they fucking hate America. Thanks to Trump's reckless decision to pull out of the Randale, everyday Americans are paying more for gas while the wealthy and big corporation in on, cashing on their tax breaks. Gas prices this summer are likely to be the highest they've been in years. Who took the prompt after that? CNN, AP, USA Today, all running stories that the gas will be the highest ever. Their reports, rising gas prices will affect all Americans. Now, I want to remind you, this is an article from uh, 2012. Rising gas prices aren't as bad as you think. Because under Obama, we didn't hold them there, you know. It wasn't his fault. It's a good thing. Americans need to be punished. We shouldn't have gas, greenhouse gas and all. He never took the blame for stuff like that. But now, with Trump, oh, it's his fucking fault. His fucking fault. Across the ball board. Mark Levin, I'll ask again. If the Democrats thought the long-dead Logan Act should be thrown at Trump's officials, then how does Kerry escape its enforcement? Of course, don't expect the lib media to care at all. Unless, of course, it's an act that Stormy Daniels performs. <laughs> Which brings us into even mainstream cumbering. Memo to John Kerry on Iran meddling. We only have one secretary of state. To the intense 2015 debate over the Iran nuclear deal led by demagogue in chief Barack Obama, liberals responded with unbridled fury when a group of 47 GOP senators penned a sharply worded open letter to the Iranian regime. The missive simply and correctly stated that if Obama administration failed to secure the second The accord, excuse me, as a formal treaty which requires supermajority Senate support for ratification, the unilateral executive agreement could be instantly reversed in the future. We'll consider any agreement regarding your nuclear weapons program that is not approved by Congress as nothing more than an executive agreement between Obama and Ayatollah Ayatollah Khomeini. The next president could revoke such an executive agreement with a stroke of a pen, and future Congresses can modify the terms agreement any time. They were right. During that time, of course, our mainstream media went crazy about the Logan Act. It just does. But when you break it down, most of the articles that are coming are outlining how a letter isn't breaking the Logan Act, but actually having private meetings which have been photographed. This isn't Fox News or Breitbart making shit up. There's photos all over Twitter of Kerry breaking off a meeting with Iranians in Paris. Working with the Paris government. Who, you know aren't the best. An article, the Logan Act almost certainly does not apply to open letters that are penned by representatives from the Senate, which body, we might remember, enjoys a constituency, enumerated role within the na- nation's foreign policy. And even if it did apply, the inevitable legal challenges would swiftly prevail. In a widely cited analysis, American University, Steve Vladek has proposed both that the act is unconstitutionally vague and that it would be unlikely to survive the far stricter standards contemporary courts place on such content based restrictions on speech. Monica Blower notes, bluntly, that she has not seen a single constitutional law professor say that it's a real thing or for a good reason. They're trying to make it sound like he did nothing wrong. Tom Nichols. If you raise hell about what Tom Cotton did, but think what John Kerry's doing is fine, you're not only part of the problem, but as much of a hypocrite as any Trumper, and spoiler, what Kerry is doing is worse. Don't at me if you don't get this. I can't explain it to you. And he's right. Boston Globe Bond Shell. John Kerry secretly worked with foreign leaders to undermine Trump's Iran decision. It finally broke. New York Times shows sudden concern for Loader Act fact checking with John Kerry, the target. Former Democratic Secretary of State, blah, 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 blah. In their article, Kui was the Linda Kui. Kui fact checked. The Logan Act is fair on its face, but the sudden concern is suspect given the times that previously used the Logan Act as a rhetorical weapon against President Trump's former national security advisor, Michael Flynn. Mr. Trump did not specify what was illegal about Mr. Kerry's acts and the White House would not answer. But Rudolph W. Giuliani, the president's personal lawyer, accused Kerry of violating the Logan Act. As the New York Times' Charlie Savage has pretty explained, blah, 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 Legal scholars interviewed by the Times all stressed that a law is a paper tiger that has never been seriously enforced. Two said it may be unconstitutional. Still, the Logan Act has occasionally resurfaced as a political cudgel. It certainly has, while legal reporter Charles Savage mostly noted it was a dead letter. In his reporting, the paper political staff often took the new, now silly Logan Act pretty seriously if it was a Trump official. So basically, all across the board, all across the board, there has been nothing but WAPO and New York Times article saying what he did finally after it was already released weeks ago in conservative media and on this podcast, but trying to excuse away that it doesn't apply. It's not, it's a useless law. Don't worry about it. And how does that work? If the Logan Act was so important during Obama and the Logan Act was so important with Trump, when he was starting conversations with foreign leaders and with the whole Flynn debacle, how can it not be important? Now. It could it be hypocrisy? Yeah. Kerry was so brazen, he actually put out a statement. Today's announcement announcement weakens our security, breaks America's word, isolates us from our European allies, puts Israel at greater lists, employs Iran hardliner, reduces our global leverage to address Tehran's misbehavior, while damaging the liability of future administrations to make international agreements. That's one sentence, by the way. So uh, I think that's it's called a run-on. But go ahead, no rhetoric. No rhetoric is required. The facts speak for themselves. Instead of building an unprecedented non-proliferation verification measure, this decision risks throwing them away and dragging the world back to the brink we faced a few years ago. The extent of the damage will depend on what Europe can do to hold the nuclear agreement together. and It will depend on Iran's reaction. America should never have to outsource those stakes to any other country. This is not an American interest. We should all hope the world can preserve the nuclear agreement. Everybody's responded, response, let me put on a pair of I-don't-give-a-fuck-what-you-wrote glasses. Ted, Nikki, with all respect, Mr. Kerry, please fuck off. And I'm from Iran. You and the administration, you served as Secretary of State to help the t- t- tyranny and the regime of Iran to continue to settle development of their nuclear program. They didn't even care. Then there's the media, other media responses. People like Al Veshi like to say, hey, there's a lot of reason not to like this deal and not to like Iran, but pulling out of the deal only hurts us. He then said, I never said that. Then the person sent him the script and he goes, okay, I did say him. Salzman, Jr. type. Hi, Ben Rhodes. This is my Humvee from Iraq. It was blown up by an Iranian EFP that amputated my right arm and destroyed my left hand. You gave them billions and removed sanctions despite knowing they were killing Americans. That is your legacy. You have blood on your hands. But MRC, Riley put out, even before Trump, the media loved this. It's no secret that the Obama-era treaty has been a foreign policy favorite among many in the media. On the day President Obama announced the deal to the American people, the press were riding high just moments before the president addressed the nation on July 14, 2015. Chris Jansen gushed this is a major victory for him. There is no doubt about that. Later that night, MSDNC's Rachel Maddow had this to say. We don't know if the Rand deal is going to work. If it does, it will be a major foreign policy achievement, not only for this presidency, but of this American generation, at which point people in the not-so-distant future will look back at the presidency, they'll look back at the president, and they'll say, of course they gave him a Nobel Prize Prize. Of course they did. Two days later, CBS producer Dick Meyer penned, an adoring and president, Mr. President, on behalf of an ungrateful nation, thank you. In it, Meyer made the following assessment about the deal: We cannot be in, what cannot be in dispute is this was a momentous initiative, a gutsy political risk, a diplomatic success, and potentially a giant step in defusing a long ticking time bomb. Mustard's grin of the press. Some Republicans continue to criticize the deal. On MSDNC, Chris Matthew defended the deal on his evening show. Um, Hardball. Perturbed by Senator Marco Rubio's harsh remarks about the deal. that President Obama's security postulated, you know, I wonder whether it's even legal or diplomatically acceptable, yes or no, for somebody running for president who has a shot at the presidency, basically writing foreign policy to undermine the current president. Who's the only president we have? If Republican criticism of the deal was bad, the Democrat criticism was horrifying. On August 11th of that same year, Morning Joe co-host Rika Brzezinski lost her cool after Democratic Senator Chuck Schumer came out in opposition to the deal and suggested that it be negotiated while arguing with the weekly standard editor and then msdnc contributor bill crystal she offered the following assessment i mean restarting talks with iran that's ludicrous you guys know this would be a calamitous calamitous for our reputation and for the white house if all of a sudden they just said oh forget it let's do it let's not do it that's crazy come on D-Triple-C, Trump and his Republicans will go down in history as a party that destroyed our country's credibility, ruined our global reputation, and made the world a more dangerous place, all to sabotage President Obama's legacy. And that's what this is all about. It's all about a legacy. Everybody knows that history will show a man who started more wars got a Nobel Prize Prize and accomplished nothing for peace. He created ISIS, created the vacuum that turned the Middle East into a total clusterfuck until recently. And that's all the media is pissed off about. Everything Obama's done has been wiped off the board. Ben Rhodes. Trump is about to do something opposed by the American people. That's a lie. And our closest allies for no reason than the fact that Barack Obama was involved in negotiating the Iran deal. Kelly Magnum. As someone who spent years of her life putting in place sanctions on Iran under Bush and Obama, I'm horrified by the delusional view that we can easily regain the leverage that took years of pain-taking sanction diplomacy with our allies, Ben Rhodes. It took five years of diplomacy to build the sanctions regime and two years of diplomacy to reach a deal. Trump is blowing that up with no understanding of what actually in the deal, no plan for what comes next, and no support for our closest European allies. Beyond the potential catastrophic consequences of Iran, Trump's decision is devastating the U.S. credibility globally. After this, why would anyone trust us? Samantha Powers had the balls to say something. I will never forget the dark cloud that hung over the White House. Oh, shut the fuck up. Trump has demolished America's credibility. 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 Guy Benson. An American promise rejected by a large bipartisan majority of Congress, many of whom explicitly warned that it was not their promise. David from sorry before everyone settles into sex and corruption cable, a last night Iran deal thought, I distrusted the deal going in, still do, but it's now a pledge of the United States. That's their angle, pledge. Yeah, it's a pledge. It's a treaty that was never ratified. See, this is what you get when you use your pen and cell phone. When you're a constitutional lawyer and you are a professor and you think you're above the Constitution, so you just make your own shit up. Had he ratified a deal that was going to benefit America and not his allies, the Muslim Brotherhood, maybe this wouldn't have happened. So what did Iran do? Our loving neighbors that the left is so upset about offending. Iranian MPs burn American flag, chant death to America following nuclear deal withdrawal. Atola Khamenei harshly denounced Trump following his Tuesday announcement that the U.S. would re-implement the economic sanctions. Previously listed on the deal, Committee called the decision shallow and ludicrous, and warned the president's corpse will also be worm food. Hillary. Pulling out of Iran nuclear deal is a big mistake. It makes America less safe and less trusted. Iran is now more dangerous. What's plan B? Anyone who thinks bombing is the answer is woefully misinformed. As Secretary of State I helped negotiate the crippling international sanctions that brought Iran to the table, It would be much harder a second time, now that our credibility is shot. It will also be harder to deal with other threats like ballistic missiles, terrorism. Now we have no leverage. Ruby Rockstar. Six billion went missing on your watch. SOS Hillary. A situation which created conditions conducive to fraud, as corrupt individuals may attempt to conceal evidence of illicit behavior by omitting key documents from the contract file. OIG report 320 2014. Shut the fuck up and go away. Another one. Our credibility was shot as a nation when Hillary Clinton de- deleted 33,000 emails, ordered hard drives under her control to be erased with bleach bit and blackberries to be smashed and never got prosecuted for it. That's really when the U.S. lost its credibility on the world chain stage. And somebody like me who's a smart ass Whatever happens, we can blame it on a YouTube video. What is wrong with these people? Don't they understand? And it once again aligns with what I keep saying about liberals. They don't care about our veterans. They couldn't fix the VA under their watch. That was one of his promises. They made it worse. And they sided with a country that killed thousands of Americans in Iraq. Thousands. The EFP wasn't there. Iran helped it be there, thus killing thousands of Americans. So all you people like Page in Oregon, who totally believe Obama was a deity, he didn't give a fuck about soldiers. Just because you go to a goddamn fucking ball and say how much I love you, that's not... A commander in chief. You don't side with a longtime enemy of the United States. Every time we turn around, they're burning flags and saying death to America. They finance most of the terrorism in our world, folks. This deal gave them billions of dollars for what? To the NRA convention. A lot of love here.
8: U.S. President Donald Trump is angering not one, but two of America's closest allies. France is upset over comments Mr. Trump made about the November 2015 terrorist attacks in Paris. At least 130 people were killed. Hundreds were wounded then. Francois Hollande, here, was France's president at the time of the attacks. He called Mr. Trump's comments, quote, shameful. The French Foreign Ministry issued a statement expressing its firm disapproval and called for the respect of the memory of the victims. In the same speech, Mr. Trump also angered Britain, saying it had a knife problem. At one point, he compared a London hospital to a war zone, saying the floors were covered in blood from knife attack victims. Let's begin with uh, Mr. Trump's speech to the NRA. He has angered our closest Allies, furious at comments he made regarding terror attacks on France and in England. Uh, this as he supported strong gun rights uh, in the U.S. Um, he made no mistake about how strong he now stands with the NRA. What do you make of it? It's almost preposterous um, trying to make that kind of point when the numbers aren't even close to adding up. Um, it, it and it just it just boggles the mind because just a couple months ago he was seeming to have sympathy for the Parkland high school students um, and their issues over guns and now he was full on NRA uh, all about it. But he also is at odds with his allies, France. Um, and the U.K. over these um, almost like bizarre comparisons of the American gun laws and the violence, that uh, the terrorism that they've seen uh, in the U.K. and France. Uh, Again, playing to his home base, uh, playing to a domestic audience, but it still was kind of over the top, wasn't it?
18: Well, it deeply offended um, America's best allies. And for, you know, Trump to just kind of idly insult the memory of the dead of other countries is, I think, what offended them. In fact, the French Foreign Ministry is quite explicit in, in saying it was offended. The former French president, François Hollande, who was the president when, when the botcon happened, said he was disgusted. Um, the British, you know, there is no hospital in London, I promise you, having lived there nine years of my life. Um, which is a wash in blood from knife crime. Knife crime is up, but one of the reasons knife crime may be up is that guns are not up, and 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 it is a bizarre thing. Um, he seems to go. The president goes into these rifts, and maybe because he's been watching too much Fox television, it's not clear. So.
1: Oliver North, as Dana Loesch said, thrilled about the Oliver North news. A total warrior for freedom. This is the last person that anti-gun advocates would want as the new president of the NRA board. Ellen Pierce, proof they're a criminal empire and one that has brought bought off our government. The mob 2018 style. We need some good guys on our side. Literal traitors heading both the NRA and the White House. wow. The man sold advanced U.S. weapons to Iran with cash from Pablo Escobar's cocaine business, blah, blah, blah. Here's the problem. Federal judge on Monday dropped all criminal charges against Oliver L. L. North, the central figure in the Iran Contra scandal, ending a saga that the former White House aide characterizes as five years of fire. U.S. District Judge Gerard A. Giselle dismissed the case at the request of independent counsel Lawrence E. Walsh, who said that testimony provided last week by North's former boss, Robert C. McFarland, made it unlikely that North's previous conviction could be reinstated. All charges are dropped, so you just shut the fuck up. The media, though, as you heard in that soundbite from Trump's little comments, are still fired up at the NRA. Los Angeles Times, the NRA just named one of the most infamous gun runners in the world to be president. Big Venus, says Eric Holder. (laughs) Then there was this, 87,154... Law-abiding attendees over a three-day weekend in Dallas. Boom. NRA really should send David Hogg and the gang a thank you note for helping boost their attendance this year. Oh, and they should probably send cookies to Alyssa Milano for drawing in dozens of protesters for the event. Dozens that kills us. John Sheridan. How many violent incidents or acts of vandalism by participants? Any public nudity, defecation, public spaces left covered in trash? Compare with any similar size event at primarily by liberals. Good point. Media ignore violent criminal past of local anti NRA Dallas protest organizer was there. Once again, the protests against NRA and its annual convention, this time in Dallas, have been pathetic. Turnout has been shockingly small. One event had maybe 100 people, half of whom were journalists. An actress involved in the protest movement attended, accompanied by alleged armed security guards, who illegally chased Texans out of the public park simply because they asked if she used armed guards. Topping it all, the press has ignored the long criminal record of including violence against a small child of local anti-NRA organizer Dominic Alexander. To say that Do- Alexander is prone to hyperbole is akin to saying that water is wet. On April 30th, he predicted that thousands would protest at the NRA convention. The Los Angeles Times eagerly reported that promise. The Reverend Dominic Alexander, who helped organize Black Lives Matter protests, is also organizing against the NRA. We continue to use our president Our president, whenever whenever the NRA comes, he stands with them, and that's problematic for us, Alexander said, calling the NRA's decision to come to Dallas a slap in the face. We're expecting in the thousands, which didn't happen. Alexander appears to have serious exaggerated actual results after the protest occurred. NPR relayed it without challenge. We're asking for sensible gun laws, Dominic Alexander, president of Next Generation, told NPR. Alexander said the social justice organization drew hundreds to Dallas City Hall Plaza before they marched to the convention center. When you look at shootings in Newton, Parkland, Orlando, Dallas, People are tired on both sides. People are tired. The Dallas Morning News reported that a few hundred people attended multiple peaceful r- protests at Dallas City Hall and at Bellow Gardens during the day, and that the few hundred represented both sides of the gun debate. No one has seemed interested in Alexander's background except CRTV's Steven Crowder. Crowder posed. As Jean Guy Tremblay, a vociferous Canadian gun control activist in a wheelchair, went to one of the protest acts ask Alexander about items in his criminal record in a series of this-can't-be-true-can-it questions. And I'm not going to play the video. Democratic congressman during this time. Let's force gun owners to turn over the AR-15s and other rifles. Representative Eric Saldwell from California, who... On his staff wrote this rather great piece of comedy regarding military-style rifles. He wants to ban them, buy them back, and prosecute anyone who doesn't abide by his proposed laws. And this is carried by USA Today because they're all for it too. Reinstating the federal assault weapons ban that was in effect from 94 to 2004 would prohibit manufacture and sales, but it would not affect weapons already possessed. This would leave millions of assault weapons in our communities. Instead, we should ban possession of military-style semi-automatic assault weapons. We should buy back such weapons from all who choose to abide by the law. And we should criminally prosecute any who choose to defy it by keeping their weapons. The ban would not apply to law enforcement agencies or shooting clubs. Australia got it. Right, and I stopped reading after that. The reality is, every one of these people saying they're not about banning guns. Hogg was fighting with everybody this week. Alyssa Milano, which we'll get into her little uh, kerfluffle in a second, We're saying, we don't want to ban weapons. Yet, there's uh, actual politicians saying, we want to ban them. And And that's the thing about it. They're not even honest. And that's why they keep losing this argument with the American people. They're not honest. I think if you were more honest, people would respect you. But you're not honest. You say, oh, we just want to have some sensible gun. No, you don't. You want to ban weapons. So the restaurant that had that, hey, we're going to give money to anti-Second Amendment groups. Dallas Restaurant quickly backpedaled support for gun control during an NRA meeting. Gun owners intended blah, 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 blah. Ellen changes the bottom of the receipt to reflect their support of gun control, saying any proceeds from the week would go towards gun control groups. The NRA eventually reviewed, or received wind of the maneuver and warned NRAAM participants to avoid spending their money at the establishment. The restaurant rest quickly decided to clarify their message with the following Instagram posts. What a day this has been. We want to give some clarification to an issue that has caused quite a bit of confusion and anxiety. Early this morning, we began posting a message on the bottom of our seat stating that Ellen's intends to donate a portion of our proceeds this week towards the efforts of finding common ground and compromise and the fight to eliminate needless gun violence, especially in our schools and against our dedicated police officers. With a limited number of characters available for the message, we simplified to say we support reasonable and effective gun regulations towards the end. What was not expected was that these two words, reasonable and effective, would be misinterpreted as our support for gun control. This mistake was an honest one. The opposite is true. We support the Constitution, including the Second Amendment, 100%. And like the NRA, we also support finding resolution to the senseless killing that happens much too frequently. We believe those two things are completely compatible. After a very courteous and informative conversation with the customer, realize how quickly, how our message could be misconstrued, and we move quickly to clarify. By then, the situation had become viral. We believe our position is anything but controversial. Rather, it's an American way of dealing with a problem. Historically, every time we've had a big challenge, we have come together. Republicans, Democrats, blah, 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 blah. No one wants children to die in the classroom. No one wants police to be effective. Blah, 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 blah,
19: blah, 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 blah.
1: If Ellen didn't want controversy, they wouldn't have said anything about guns and the Second Amendment. If the restaurant owner told the public who they were donating the money to, then then it would have solidified gun owners' suspicions. It's fine that Ellen's did this, but as with anything, be prepared for the fallout. And there's one, believe me, there was one. Probably not the biggest one that God has ever created, but it was quite large. It prompted Ellen to issue this milk toast response via Instagram, and it's basically repeating they did it two or three times. And tried to cover up to what they did. They were fucking nuked on their website. Nuked. Dilemma. Taking lots of NRA money in the form of group reservations while they're in Dallas. Or taking a stand to tell them to fuck off. Then the left attacked them. And it was a big shit show. Which brings us to the point we keep on talking about it. Your business. Don't get involved. Just don't get involved. If you want to be with your private funds, go send money to fucking every town, then do it. But if you put it on your fucking receipt during the largest gun event other than Shot Show, what the fuck do you expect? I had to get a drink. Pollen. Bad. Same thing we keep talking about. Pollen. So then there was Alyssa Milano. She basically went to an anti-gun protest with bodyguards who were armed. And then those bodyguards bullied other protesters and made them run away. So, article goes, her reply This was event security, not my bodyguard, but regardless, the security guy has had training and passed a background check. These are the common sense gun reform policies we're fighting for everyone. Can't wait to see the unedited longer video, somebody says, because this is all bull. Ben, this is Will Harvey, a CCW NRA member. He asked Alyssa Milano security if he was armed. He was. And then asked Alyssa about it. Here's what happened. She comes to talk to him after this, and I will post a longer video shortly. My conversation with the NRA members sent to the NORA rally to intimidate me. You're being so incredibly confrontational, I'm just trying to have a conversation, because to me, we have to bridge this divide. Dana Loesch, no one sent anyone anywhere to intimidate you. The man was walking with his young sons, and when he politely asked a question on video, you hired gun. your hired gun pushed him from the public park in front of his kids. The law-abiding NRA member de-escalated the situation your guard caused. Nathan Wurzel, that wasn't a conversation. It was Pollyanna dragging benighted. Me, me, says, one guy sent to rally to intimidate you while you're surrounded by minions and armed guards? You really want to go with that? See, Elliot, you must be talking about your security as I've seen all the videos and you were confrontational. They went straight to his kid. Then your security got in his face and others while armed NRA, NRA TV, Dana Loesch has no issues with sensible gun laws. They have issues with appealing 2A. Morfin Henneker. I'm just trying to have a conversation, says the woman who spoke at another person, then shifted her attention to his child, then stomped off while thuggy security threatened people. How absolutely vile does someone have to be to say something like this about the NRA? Seriously. The NRA doesn't care about American people. Its members are troops. They care about profit. This is her tweet after being called out. Katie Pavlich, weird. The majority of NRA members I know are veterans, Our family of veterans. David Mendoza, I think we're also luckily someone who isn't educated and his career is a failure, has money to be a hypocrite, a afford armed security, which has nothing to do with gun safety. The NRA membership is also certified present. Hickory, you don't know what you're talking about. You know nothing about members. Many are vets. Another one, you have zero self-awareness, which is to say you're acting like a twat waffle, but you need somebody like me to help you recognize that you are a twat waffle. Then she said the big one, this is not about taking people's guns. Melissa Milano and other activists rally in Dallas for refined gun policies. Refined. What does that mean? Camelia Harris then does what we all know what they want. We cannot have a civil society without gun safety laws. We need background checks. We need an assault weapons ban. Congress needs to act and have courage. OP Mockingbird. Millions of lawful gun owners and NRA members fund, organize, and teach more gun safety classes in a day than all you anti-gun activists in the last decade. Your propagandizing is disturbing. How is that woman lauded when everybody else is treated like a horrible person? How? Alyssa Milano is a fucking joke. If you want gun safety, why do you bring guns to a protest? Isn't that what we've been talking about forever? Horrible conservatives bringing guns to their anti-black people protests? Oh, excuse me. Any protest is anti-black, supposedly. If we protest fucking anything, it's always racist because it's white people standing out with signs, unless it's for abortion, like kill all the babies, then they don't say it. So, that's your NRA coverage. I'm not going to go depth in it because I'm kind of sick of talking about guns, but nothing's changed. The politicians are being honest. And they're saying, we want to take your fucking guns. All the people that the media laud, like David Hogg and all them, keep lying because they've read the fucking gun control handbook like we did on this show, which is lie. Just lie. Don't talk about facts. Don't even be educated about anything. Work on straight emotions and talk about dead kids. It'll get America to change. Not working so far. Here's some more hand maiden tale craziness. This one is
20: from ABC News. The story is set in a totalitarian regime called Gilead in what used to be the U.S. Sometime in the near future, after a devastating coup. You girls will serve the leaders of the faithful. The new American regime is a theocracy that oppresses women in particular. They're not allowed to read or write or think for themselves. Fertile women are enslaved, forced to bear children for the ruling class impregnated by rape and ultimately forced to hand over their babies do you have a name?
0: Angela
20: it's as if the Puritans borrowed a few ideas from the Taliban and developed their own uniquely American caliphate the TV show debuted against the backdrop of Donald Trump's America thankfully we're not living in Gilead yet
8: we're not living in Gilead yet but there are Gilead-like
20: symptoms going on. The show is now so relevant, protesters have shown up as handmaids at women's marches. At last week's White House Correspondents' Dinner, there was even this joke at Sarah Sanders' expense. I have to
21: say, I'm a little starstruck. I love you as Aunt Lydia and the Handmaid's Tale. <laughs>
7: He's had a very prominent role in a number of cases against uh, Trump University successfully. He was one of the litigants, one of the chief litigants against the Muslim ban, setting that back. So does this put the legal opposition to the president at the state level on its back heels? Well, it could. It really depends on who takes over. He has been considered by a lot of people, defenders of Mueller, who are worried about him being fired as the result of a domino effect uh, in the Justice Department. He's been kind of the insurance policy to the Manafort and other cases.
8: He has been, and, and I mean, he's been a tremendous um, voice for progressive, democratic politics and a real rising star in the Democratic Party. So this is a, a big loss on that side. Does this hurt the Democrats in general,
7: or did they move quickly enough? You no, know,
8: I, I, I just don't know. I mean, it's the thing is, it's the, it's you have to at least um, give some credit to the fact that he stepped down right away. So the Democratic Party realizes that it has to respect. Uh, You know, allegations like this of sexual misconduct that are made by women against men.
1: That was Andrea Mitchell talking about Eric Schneiderman, a beloved entity. He was the New York Attorney General. He was a liberal god. He spoke a lot about Me Too, and he just got Me too the fuck out. Britt Hume, New York Attorney General. Eric Schneiderman resigns after four women accuse him of physical abuse. How the New York Times covet, breaking news, four women are said to have accused New York Attorney General Eric Schneiderman of assault. He had long cast himself as a champion of women. This is a very unusual headline phraseology, since it's based off a report from the New York Post. You expect to read reportedly or something like that. But there is a reason the Times chose to go with, are said. Newspaper of record is said to have used passive voice to avoid crediting a competitor in the headline. They didn't even research it. Trump put Wiener's gone, Spitzer's gone. Next will be lightweight AG, Eric Schneiderman. Is he a crook? Wait and see. Worse than Spitzer or Wiener? That tweet was from 2013. He was right. Louis Mensch. This is absolutely terrible. It's a pack of lies about A.G. Schneiderman and a victim, a victory for Putin. That's what they said. And it won't save Trump from one goddamn thing. Dave Bagnell felt deflated this morning, knowing he's gone. Of course, approving the allegations are born, but putting my tinfoil hat on, I wonder if there is more to this. Lewis Mensch, they weren't true, they aren't true, physical horseplay, including slapping, spanking, wrestling, and so forth, goes on all the time by consent, in bedrooms all across America, somebody asked her, "Did you read the fucking story, of course I read the story, it's it's, it's risible and obviously false, a, a Q-tip, ugh, Schneiderman used role play, so what, again, this is commonplace heterosexual fantasy, and I don't accept for a second, it wasn't Consensual. She goes on forever. Why did he resign? To protect the investigation from the news being all about him. Comey is familiar. Matt Wonking. Pretty remarkable. Washington Post, Axios, CNN, NBC News, LA Times, Politico. Not a single one of these news outlets mention Eric Schneiderman's party affiliation and they're breaking news. Not a single one. I've yet to see them say Democrat. Samantha B was all about this guy. Isn't there one person who could save us from Trump? I believe it's A.G. Schneiderman. Then they had to issue a statement. We taped this segment before the allegations against Steinerman came to light. We sincerely apologize for characterizing him as a hero, when to some, so many women, he was a vilest villain. Marissa Cabas. Men, this is the part where you listen. It's cool that you're horrified and, my God, and disgusted, but let, let us take the lead here. I don't care about your take. I don't care about your feelings on Steinerman's statement. Listen to women. Ignoring us for literally ever is what you, God, got countless serial abusers into office for. Yeah, that was a lot of women that way. Amplify women's thoughts, feelings. A woman. No, Marissa, you are the one who needs to listen. Blaming an entire group of crimes of a few is what we call bigotry. It's also useless. Think before you tweet. Kay Larson. Another woman. Stop telling men to shut up. We don't like it when they tell us to shut up, so let's show them a little respect also. Be magic, and this is why the tinfoil hats are on. Snyderman is a guy who could criminally charge Trump through New York State, a very strange timing for sexual abuse allegations. Remember, we're dealing with dirty people, Gorka, Stone, Giuliani, Bannon, Miller, They think it's all bullshit. They think it's a lie. Because this is how he lived his life. Just like Tom Brokaw, Mark Halperin, all these fucking liberal saints. Let's be real. The people who are trying to deny women reproductive rights are doing so in order to oppress and disempower women. If a woman does not have the right to control her own body, she's not truly free. And the freedom is denied for decades when oppression is met with casual silence. Silence. You get 2017. An endless assault on women's freedom. Without the reporting of the New York Times and New Yorker and the brave women and men who spoke up about sexual harassment they endured at the hands of powerful men, there would not be a critical national reckoning underway. A well-deserved honor. Those are his tweets. It was so out of control the left needed this. Jane Meyer, just to be clear, not one source from our story on Schneiderman has any ties to Trump or Cohen. Our sources are all deeply opposed to Trump and deeply disappointed that Schneiderman let them and their cause down. That was the reporter for the New York Post. They had to do that. And then finally, the the tinfoil hats, conspiracy theory that this was all to protect Trump. But it goes to the deeper root. Do liberals even care about Me Too? Because it seems when guys on your political side do it, you don't care. You don't care at all. You, you cover it up. but when a conservative does, it's to be believed. It is true. We have wa- I have watched in my lifetime guys like Trent Lott go down for two like 10 seconds and Bill Clinton get away with lying serial rapist. I mean that guy has a litany of ac- accusers over his whole lifetime. Nobody cared because he had a D behind his name. So, as we go out to tweets of the day, we're, we're going to do a music break and then go into it. But I, all of this, as you heard the reporting, is still based on the DR. But we don't say anything about the affiliation of a corrupt Democrat we're upset that people got rescued from North Korea. We're upset about the Iran deal because we had a vested interest to see Obama's legacy go great. So Brent Bozell did a great statement on this. We're going to play that. Music break. Tweet to the day on the other side. Enjoy.
19: Now this, President Trump tweeting about the negative media coverage, quote, The fake news is working overtime. Just reported that despite the tremendous success we are having with the economy and all things else, of the network news about me is negative, quote, fake. I mean, in parentheses, fake. Why do we work so hard in working with the media when it's corrupt? Take away credentials, question mark. Joining us now, Media Research Center President Brent Bozell. Brent, uh, (laughs) the numbers get, though, more astounding as we go on. 91% is just absolutely astonishing.
16: Yeah, Charles, you know, this has been going on since 2016. I, I, I think it's—I don't think I've ever seen anything like this. Not just that it's almost 100% negative coverage, but that it won't stop. This has been going on every single time. We've measured it month by month, quarter by quarter. I think the best month he got was during his honeymoon when it went to 85% negative. <laughs> I'm not kidding you there. I'm not kidding you. Um, they, they, I mean, this, they are vested in seeing him fail. He has said so, and the evidence is there. Look, when you know, during this time period, you had the first breakthrough in the Cold War with North Korea in 60 years. That didn't that didn't generate anything. You've had a strong economy that didn't generate anything. You've had a strong jobs report as a result of his tax cuts that hasn't generated anything. You've got the overreach of Mueller. Look at a judge just two days ago blasting that investigation that garnered, believe it or not that garnered a grand total combined for CBS and NBC 30 seconds they simply are not going to say anything positive about him. And I'll say the last thing. I find it very interesting, and I think it would be a whole lot of fun if he were fo- to follow through on that tweet and start banning these people from covering the White House because they have no vested interest in objectivity.
19: i got to tell you, the assaults that I've seen on on, on Sarah Sanders is a re- are remarkable. I want to ask you another one, but before I do, have you ever seen a media, though, that works so hard to find or pontificate on potential negatives of good news. In other words, if the economy is great, maybe it's going to spark inflation. If we do this, then maybe that's going to happen. I mean, it, it, what would normally be just great news, they worked very hard to try to find what could be the negative
16: counterfactual. I like, I like you saying that, Charles, because it's so true. Go over to our friends at CNN and look at the Chiron at the bottom with their stories. And, and I burst out laughing when I see these things. Just the other day, I saw the headline said, Source, colon, it's always source: colon. <laughs> Macron, the French president, disappointed in talks with Trump. No kidding, Sherlock. He came here trying to talk him out of canceling the Iran deal. Of course he's disappointed. Doesn't mean anything went wrong. So, was, so, so were other people disappointed that they couldn't move him. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. But somehow, source, colon, there was a problem. Yeah.
19: Hey, I've got another one for you. Uh, listen to what CNN's April Ryan said about First Lady Melania Trump. Roll tape.
11: This is a first lady who is not um, culturally um, American, but she is learning the ways. And this is not just an American issue. These are not just American issues.
19: Brent,
16: uh, your reaction? Oh. You know, you always say put, put a Democrat in that position and see, see what would happen. Uh, I find it curious that ABC has been running on national news stories about Melania Trump isn't living in the White House. The White House is laughing about the, this story. Now, it, 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 everybody, nobody on this set is going to say that they're surprised by all the talk about the separation of Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton over a number of years where they don't seem to be together. Uh, no, the news media would never touch that story. and <laughs> ABC is whole over a story that somehow the, the, the First Lady is not in the White House.
19: Yeah, or, but even on this thing with culturally, uh, the, the same folks that promote open borders, that promote, supposedly promote all the different uh, types of ethnicities and religions that are in our country, the mosaic of America, to, to question her uh, Americanism seems so, so far-fetched and hypocritical, it's beyond the pale. It is, but it's also
16: personal and and it 's vindictive and it 's ugly you know don 't you find it a little bit interesting, Charles, that these are the same people who also lecture on a daily basis about how conservatives are responsible for hatred yeah. if that isn 't hatred of Donald Trump, that it would it would extend it to his wife. You know Anyone who knows her will tell you she 's a class act. you may not like donald trump that 's fine, but to extend it to his wife. Once upon a time, we said that was off
22: balance. <laughs>
23: Yes I got my swagger back yes I got my swagger back <laughs> I right, go back.
22: I got my swagger back. <laughs>
7: Flyover Politics Podcast with Tony Rees.
1: Tweets of the Day, New York Post. Mom warns a terrifying results in deodorant challenge game. A mom has issued a chilling warning over a new playground challenge after the game left her daughter with second-degree burns. Jamie Prescott claims her 14-year-old daughter suffered serious burns after taking part in the deodorant challenge, which is making the rounds in southwest England. This distraught mom now fears her daughter may need skin grafts for her terrible injuries, and they rub it spray it on it as long as they can. What the fuck? Then Matt Gorman, who brings us our political tweet of the day. Did everybody just hear Nancy Pelosi say she'd raise taxes? And she said, when asked again, would you raise taxes, that that's accurate? I promise you this will be in almost every GOP ad this Fall. I have the soundbite. I'm not going to play it. But for those that are arguing with liberals, she said it. That's what she wants, to raise your taxes. Brian Seltzer brings us our comedic police, comedic tweets of the day. And he said, the presidential election was 18 months ago today. Where were you? How can you be serious asking this question? It's like you are filling that nine eleven conspiracy type concept that Trump was just as bad as nine eleven. Hmm. Watching the media melt down while I drank a dry red as state by state gave Trump a win. That was Miss Wisconsin. AC Spallin having a cup of coffee and truly enjoying the news that Hillary Clinton Lost, Not in the wood. On the couch laughing at CNN's response. We'll go down to the top ten most enjoyed evenings of my life. You guys only had one job to do, and you failed at it. And Moan Abe, watching you, Brian Seltzer, have a meltdown.
4: Hey, Tweet of the Day! Usted ha
0: retado al senador Ted Cruz a seis debates, dos de ellos en español. El senador Ted Cruz, eh, un poco con humor, ha dicho que sería muy aburrido porque él no habla bien el español. Pero si si no va a poder debatir con con el senador Ted Cruz, mi pregunta es, ¿cree usted que el senador Ted Cruz ha traicionado a los latinos, a otros latinos como él? Primero, yo pienso que es muy importante escuchar a toda la gente en este estado. No podemos servir o representar la gente de
1: Texas, si sí, no podemos escuchar en su idioma, en español o en inglés. Somos un estado, somos un país de dos idiomas. Y
0: es necesario entender, es también necesario demostrar el respeto que cada persona merece en, en este país. La pregunta es sobre Ted Cruz. ¿Cree usted que Ted Cruz ha traicionado a los latinos?
4: Por ejemplo, él
1: quiere uh, deportar los Dreamers. Él quiere construir un muro, uh, te va a costar treinta mil millones uh, a un a un tiempo que tenemos seguridad en en la frontera. Yo pienso que él no representa los latinos, la gente de Texas. So that was that piece of fucking shit. Ramos, is Ted Cruz a race trader? How is that guy even taken seriously? And how is this woman taken serious? Maxine Waters pulled out the Uber race card this week because she was offended as a black woman because a Republican representative said, make America great. Now, I remember for eight years, hope, change, all that. It was okay to say those things. The slogan of Obama, the media said it. But now that's along all the millions of other things that the far left is trying to say is racist. You know, Make America great is racist, just like April Ryan saying you don't know me uh, causes fights. I I don't understand, but here's the
24: sound bite. I want you to know that I am more offended as an African-American woman than you will ever be.
5: I am greatly offended as a member of the automobile industry, and as someone who has served thousands of people. We are trying to make sure that we're making America great every day in every way. And the best way to do that is to stop talking about discrimination and start talking about the nation. We're coming together as a people in spite of what you say.
24: The gentleman, Mr. Kelly, please do not leave. Uh, Because I want you to know that I am more offended as an African-American woman than you will ever be. And this business about making America great again, it is your president that's dividing this country. And don't talk to me about the fact that we don't understand what happens on the automobile. No, I will not yield. No, I will not yield. yield.
6: Okay. Don't tell me that
24: we don't understand. That's the The attitude that's been given toward women time and time again. The
17: gentlelady will suspend... The chair wishes to remind all members that they are to address their remarks to the chair. The I lady will continue. The chair,
24: but don't stop me in the middle when you didn't stop him in the middle. And so I shall continue. Don't you dare talk to me like that and think that somehow women don't understand what goes on on the floor of automobile dealers.
17: Minded to direct and the the I will am continue saying that I order. will
24: continue to do that. However, I don't appreciate that you did not interrupt him when he was making those outrageous remarks about him knowing more about discrimination than I know about discrimination. I resent that, and I resent the remark about making America great again. He's down here making a speech for this dishonorable President of the United States of America. Having said that, I reserve the balance of my time, and no... You? I do not yield not one second to you, not one
1: second. I resent that people vote for you and make you a fucking representative of their state. Sweet Jesus, lady, you are a fucking joke. And so is Chris Saliza. Here's a name who'd shake up the New York AG race: Hillary Clinton. It was so bad that he then wrote an article. Because remember, Chris Saliza is about making himself the news. Like everybody else on CNN. The 16 best responses to my tweet about Hillary. Roughly 24 hours later, that half joke, half imagine if tweet had generated more than 2,300 likes and 1,500 comments. Look at me. I'm so cool. Uh, it was half people who hate her, love her, whatever. Here they are. Here's a name that would shake up the New York AG race. Scrappy do. <laughs> Frank Stallone. Why are you like this was number three. Number four was 280 characters of ha-ha-ha. Five, okay, you win. Six, I had this idea yesterday, so there can't be anything to it. Seven, how about you not been ratioed on, how have you not been ratioed on this yet? Eight, A-plus level trolling. Nine, just in case I'm going to long on popcorn futures. Here's a name that would shake up the New York AG race. I'm a dumbass was number 10. 11. Chris, you better have been concussed when you wrote this. 12. Ready to have your mind rocked? A mustache less Tom Selleck. 13. Another Thanos. 14. Air, also Air Bud from the film Air Bud Golden Retriever. 15. Your walking indictment of capitalism. And 16. A bunch of ha-has. And No. Yeah. What the fuck? Chelsea Manning makes our hate tweets. Chelsea Manning vows to close prisons, abolish ICE, and eliminate U.S. borders on the campaign trail. And she's getting her her ass, his ass, whatever he is, handed to it. And it will not win. Michelle Obama shames women for voting for Trump. What is going on in your head? Then she tried to unite women at the same time in the same speech. Then Jake Tapper joins our hate tweets because he puts this out. "Floatus Melania Trump unveils her platform, tells kids to be best. This is the response from the xenophobes. Oh, excuse me, the lefties. Great, now Melania's going to have to speak in broken English. Be best, what the fuck? Your broken English is charming. Do you mean be better or he's a beast? Blink once for help and twice for help with vodka. It goes on and on and on. Larry Bryan, that's funny, nobody's ever heard her speak anything but broken English, and her native porn star tongue. Jake Tapper corrected none of this. It was all over his thread. So, I guess, you know, the liberal apple doesn't fall too far from the tree, other hate, and I had a soundbite. I'm not going to play it because I'm soundbite heavy. Democrat Jack Reed asked Gina Haspel, C.I.A. waterboarding, waterboarding terrorists is immoral. Haspel replies, "I don't think there's any comparison between C.I.A. officers serving their country adhering to U.S. law and terrorists who, by their very definitions, are not following anybody's law." That was her reply. She was treated like a criminal by the left, and nobody, nobody called them out. For sexism. The stuff male Democrats said to her was okie-dokie. But you couldn't do that if she had a D behind her name. Then Reigns, a Hillary staffer, Donald Trump Jr., Vanessa being with the Latin King, must have driven you insanely jealous. The machismo, the passion, tough act to follow. Did you wonder if she fantasized about Valentine Rivera when... When intimate with you, she did every time. That's attacking somebody. Nothing was wrong with it. He's doubled down. Yes, the response do skew heavily towards his followers. He is a monster, not a human. I'm going to treat him like a monster. If that makes me somewhere in between the two, so be it. But they don't get to spew venom at others, but cry like babies when it's too close to home. That guy was a major part of the Hillary campaign, tweeting stuff like that. And, of course, the media ignores it. To our hypocrisy, oh,
16: the day. It's a
17: big one. Not just big, it's enormous. It's colossal. It's huge. Marking his territory. When it comes to President Trump's signature, even oldsters won't be needing their reading glasses. Why? Why is his signature so big, someone tweeted. Author J.K. Rowling responded, I didn't believe in graphology until about three minutes ago. She linked to a site analyzing what large handwriting means, an independent handwriting expert confirmed.
12: The size of the signature correlates with narcissism, with ego, with a grandiose sense of self-importance. The size alone equals, I'm so important, I don't need to uh, obey margins, I can just scribble like I'm a movie star or a rock star.
17: Or a president, or a best-selling author? Trump supporters dug up J.K. Rowling's signature? I guess you're no different
12: then. You know, it's funny, because she is throwing stones about Donald Trump, but... She also has really big signature, which I think is a success trait.
17: That goes for both of them. But graphologist Bart Baggett says rolling exhibits a fluid feminine flow, while President Trump's signature looks like a hacksaw.
12: His sharp, angular, scissor-like M's and N's, which basically is a lack of compassion.
17: Tweeted one critic, it looks like the result from a polygraph. He's lying, of course. A polygraph, a seismograph. Since we're comparing size, the handwriting expert's signature is no shrimp, though perhaps not Trumpian.
12: It's really the epitome of narcissism.
17: Internet pranksters keep changing the president's signature. When it comes to certain presidents and authors, the writing's not just on the wall, it takes up the whole wall. And it can take big hands to sign a big signature. Genie CNN, yeah. New York.
7: President Walker, how do you resist the temptation to run up and wring her
8: neck? Why can't she just say, if a staffer said that, we're going to get to the bottom of it, and she'll be fired?
12: Tom is pretty angry. He says he was ambushed, says he
9: was perp walked. What's your response? In, in that letter, he describes you as a colleague who has trouble with the truth. Are you absolutely convinced that everything you remember about that incident, those incidents with Tom Brokaw, would happen? As you know, a lot of women at NBC News have come forward, some 60 women, some of the highest profile women at the network, have come forward in support of Tom Brokaw, in support of his reputation as a colleague of integrity and decency. How do all of us who've, I've known Tom Brokaw for years, watched him for years before that, admired his career? clearly has a loving family friends how do we put all that in context how do you put it all in context
0: this is an important point in the me too movement for that very reason because some people might be tempted to believe that all harassers look and act like harvey weinstein it's not true
1: to lead us off there of course that was cnn doing a whole thing mocking trump's signature because we're out of other things we've gone ice cream you know jesus christ these Fucking people. And then there's that, that's that piece of shit on MSDNC, literally saying she wants to ring Sanders next, followed by an interview of accuser of Brokaw. And do you ever see that type of interview for Republicans? Did Stormy Daniels get that kind of questioning? I don't remember that. But how dare you fucking... I don't care if he ass raped you. It's Tom Brokaw. He's a liberal saint. He can do what he wants. The hypocrisy never dies. ABC Star Wars Day gets six times the coverage of lowest unemployment to 2000. You can expect that. Seltzer declares day 470 of White House credibility crisis dismisses media. That was a whole thing on a shit. But first, back here in the U.S., enough is enough. The lies, the deceit, the fear-mongering. Journalists increasingly are feeling empowered to call out Trump White House lies. The Trump presidency, this is what a crisis of leadership looks like, it feels like. Every week, another scandal. Every week, another cover-up. This week, I have to admit, I chuckled at some of the banners on screen, some of the headlines calling this a White House credibility crisis. I mean, that is true. That's objectively true. It is a crisis. But it's been true since day one. Later in the week, all week long, coverage of the president's lack of credibility calling into crisis. And then a Saturday, where did Fox go? You guessed it. The media has a credibility crisis. This shouldn't be about feelings. This should be about facts. Arr. Just saying, Donald Trump has only tweeted once since Friday, and as a generic thank you Cleveland video. He abstained from the usual weekend tweet storms. Stephen Miller asked, are you okay? Yeah, I-, I don't think you are. And then they go into a really good level. The liberal media can't have ideological diversity without conservatives Donald Trump's election exposed the irrelevance of conservative intellectuals. That was a New York Times and Atlantic. They both did articles on it, basically saying you don't need conservative views. Conservative views are bad. We don't need them. We should never have them. They are just horrible people. Get them the fuck out. Don't do it. What the Fuck. Martin Pingley revealed Trump team hired spy firm for dirty ops on a Iran arms deal. Been debunked; it's a lie. But that was some more fake news. That was just all over the place. Ben Rhodes is pushing it. Um, <clears throat> it took until the end of the week. Tommy Vitor, Black Cube denies that Trump hired. AIDS hired them to spy on Ben Rhodes and Colin call, call. So the fact that the same front company was used to contact Colin's wife and Harvey Weinstein's accuser is just coincident. Give me a break. This is just a counter allegation by Ben Rhodes because they're also butt butthurt that their Rand deal failed. But this is what you get, liberals, when you let a bus driver write foreign policy, and that's what Ben Rose is. Rosie O'Donnell, as a salute to the New York Post writer who found sinister ways to warp the truth, I will click away today so I can hit 100,000. And this brings us to the huge hypocrisy. Dinesh D'Souza went to jail for donated donations. Illegal donations. It doesn't matter that during the time he went to jail, he just put out a huge Hillary America video. A movie that did really well, by the way. And basically showed a lot of people, because I went to that movie. My wife wanted to go. And we went. And people left the building going, I can't fucking believe anybody would vote for her. That's what they said. Granted, it was in the Michael Moore fashion. It was a hit piece. But he went to jail for that. Rosie O'Donnell, charges have not been filed, and this is what she did. Nothing nefarious, Rosie O'Donnell sloppily overdonates to five national Democrats. Anna Sanders of the New York Post reported the left-wing actress comedian Rosie O'Donnell made illegal oversized campaign donations to at least five Democratic federal candidates, according to the post analysis of campaign filings. FEC rules limit the total any one person could give to an individual candidate at $2,700 per election, whether it's a primary, general, or special election. O'Donnell has donated more than $90,000, the 2017-28 election cycle, to 50 different federal candidates and committee, the Post reported. O'Donnell donated $4,700. That's more than 2,700. It's called math. To Alabama Senator Doug Jones in his victorious Senate special election campaign against Roy Moore. 3,600 to Representative Connor Lamb, their new second coming. He won it. 2,950 to Trump trashing Schiff for his primary. 4200 to Illinois House candidate Lauren Underwood for her primary run in Chicago and 3450 to Omar Vade a House candidate in Staten Island and Southern Brooklyn. Nothing nefarious, O'Donnell replied to the post. I was not choosing to overdonate except she gave a combined $5400 contribution over the limit to the five candidates and used five different New York addresses and four variations of her name. There it is, folks. If 2,700 is a cutoff, candidates should refund the money. She wrote, "I don't look to see who I can donate most to. I just donate, assuming they do not accept what is over the limit." She busts through them. O'Donnell said she donated often and used the online liberal fundraising platform Act Blue. My anxiety is quelled by donating to those opposing Trump and his agenda, especially at night when most of the, these, pla- these were placed. Donors and candidates are legally liable for contributions that go over the limit, but it's usually treated like a misunderstanding The money can be refunded or used in different elections. Lisa Marie Booth, if we took a page out of Obama's handbook here, then Rosie O'Donnell will be facing a $30,000 fine, eight months in a halfway house, and five years of probation for doing the exact same thing that Dinesh D'Souza did. Educating liberals, The fact that Rosie O'Donnell used five different addresses and four different aliases to make a legal campaign donation proves that she knew exactly what she was doing and was trying to cover it up. Lock her up. Articles all over the place. Will Rosie O'Donnell serve time like Dinesh D'Souza? Will they? Will they? Will they? The Washington Times notes that in contrast, Obama's 2008 presidential campaign failed to disclose millions of dollars of contributions and missed deadlines refunding millions in excess contributions, and it was merely fined 375000 and no one was prosecuted. No one. But D'Souza went to fucking jail. The article, another article says, O'Donnell will politely get away with the five improper contributions. Unlike O'Donnell, the legal system was stacked against D'Souza. D'Souza was prosecuted by U.S. Attorney Preet Bahara. Remember that name? The liberal icon? A former staff member to Democratic Senators Chuck Schumer of New York and an Obama appointee. U.S. District Court Judge Richard Berman, a Clinton appointee, sentenced D'Souza. Fortunately, Trump has replaced many of these Obama-era U.S. attorneys. He fired Bahara, but Berman is still on the bench. The left dominates the legal system and has wrongly used it against many prominent conservatives. O'Donnell is not prosecuted. It will scream injustice regarding what happened to D'Souza. That's the left. This is why you don't under, all you liberals don't understand when, when those videos come out, Project Veritas, why we believe them. Cause up front, reported everywhere, not carried by the major news networks, liberal icons are illegally doing shit all the time and they get away with it. Cause the legal system right now in our country is left leaning. For eight years, Obama stacked shit. You didn't hear articles about, it. Obama's, you know, resetting the legal system to be uber-liberal, like you do now with Trump. But what she did was illegal. She should go to jail. If there's a rule of law in our country, she should go to jail. It's that simple. But she won't. To our media mass, Tapper on The View, I am biased about lies. okay. Add on MSDNC, don't just watch us, follow other liberal news too. Rachel Maddow, oh so very concerned for babies of illegals. ABC Univision failed to mention AG accused of beating his girlfriend is a Democrat. It's always that way. The View can't find any evidence of black progress under Trump. And ABC blaming Israel for the Middle East problems because the left so, so hates Israel.
11: Well, to to be fair, there's a concern that reporters aren't just reporting facts anymore, that reporters are editorializing. And and you've taken some criticism. You know, people point to your facial expressions, your political (laughs) cartoons.
7: This
11: is just my face. I can't. You know, this is just
3: when I hear unrepentant BS coming my way.
6: (laughs) I have a... (laughs)
25: my face. But, yeah. what do you tell say- them to stop saying those things and my face will go back to normal people are,
11: using, people are using it to say that CNN is biased that you're biased that you're editorializing what do you say to that criticism i am
3: criticism? absolutely biased against lies when there are when there are people okay. uh, lying i am absolutely 100% against it when people say things that are indecent and not to invoke Megan's dad again but he's somebody that has been a big part of my life i've been covering him since i was a, a young reporter When the president says Mm. that John McCain isn't a war hero because he was captured and I prefer people that weren't captured, that's indecent. That's an indecent thing to say. It's not
25: biased for me to call it that. That's indecent.
3: We revere, we revere our service members and we revere our POWs and that is just how
25: adults behave. Less than an hour later, at 4.12 p.m., Attorney General Jeff Sessions in California gave birth to the second twin when he announced that henceforth the United States government will officially pursue a policy of forcibly tearing children away from their parents and incarcerating the parents, putting the kids in homes or shelters. Separating parents and kids against their will is now the announced proud policy of the U.S. government in terms of border enforcement. The Trump administration has been quietly pursuing a version of this policy for parents and kids crossing the U.S. border without papers. But now, as of today, they are formally announcing that this is what the U.S. government stands for. So as the first lady said, children deserve every opportunity to enjoy their innocence. She said that within one hour of Attorney General Jeff Sessions announcing that it will now be U.S. policy, to rip children out of the arms of their parents and lock them up. And it is remarkable, and it will be seen as a landmark moment that the U.S. government is announcing and pursuing this policy of taking, literally taking babies away from their mothers. This is not like grown kids, like babes in arms, infants, toddlers, being forcibly taken from their parents is now U.S. government policy at the border. Um... Which itself is, as I say, a landmark moment. But but the White House really did not do anybody any favors today by scheduling the announcement that we will now rip babies from their mother's arms to coincide almost exactly with a very rare public appearance by the First Lady in which she announced how much she wants everybody to value children and take care of them.
2: Here's the major resignation that took effect just moments ago right here in New York City. New York Attorney General Eric Schneiderman is out of a job tonight after a New Yorker investigation detailed allegations of violence and abuse by several women he'd been involved with. It is a stunning fall tonight for a man who said he was a champion and advocate for women. Here's ABC's Lindsey Davis.
11: New York's highest-ranking law enforcement officer, dethroned tonight. Another casualty from the Me Too movement he so vehemently supported, taking legal action against Harvey Weinstein, making public statements like this.
18: We must reimagine a world where predators are exposed and held to account and survivors are supported and empowered at every level.
11: Four women now tell New Yorker magazine that Schneiderman is actually an abuser who physically attacked them. Two of the women, Michelle Manning Barish and Tanya Selvaratnam, spoke on the record, alleging he repeatedly hit them, often after drinking, frequently in bed, and never with their consent, and say that he threatened to kill them if they broke up with him.
5: These women talk about slapping, hitting, choking. We reviewed medical records and spoke to a doctor who said that an ear was bleeding long after the incident.
21: It was people it was who no opted in. It was <laughs> the people who were selected randomly. Yeah. But this is what Trump does. Anything that reflects favorably on him, true or not, mm-hmm. he's going to hold it up and yeah. say, look, I'm winning the black vote. Yeah. And it's up to us to have to explain well, it constantly. Welcome to the You know what mm-hmm. that's called? The big lie. It's been used in other dictatorships. That is you lying and lying and lying but yeah, oh, like people it's people people yeah there's but a I, lot of people who go along with it that's right but,
11: but but i you know if it's true i i just that The premise is somehow that Trump has done so much for the African-American community. And I just don't see I don't it. I think anybody in their right mind can <laughs> point to anything. Well, that, that's the thing. I you mean, know, you, I, you have some, some conservative commentators, some pundits, saying that, yes, that the unemployment mm-hmm, rate mm-hmm. is lower now mm-hmm. in the African-American community, which really is is the same yeah. for, under Obama, it's, of it's, course. Yeah. well, though. We the can give Trump that, well. but does I mean, no, we, we have to endorse give, every no, other no, no, thing. we, we it, can't give that. The economy has been getting better. For the last, I don't know, it got
21: suddenly better after Barack Obama
0: left the White House. It didn't get suddenly better. What are you talking about? George,
21: it stopped, no, it there didn't. was the Trump bump that en- happened as soon as Donald Trump came in. The stock market went crazy. Some people are even, they were even saying, this is so good, it's going to crash soon. No, you know what? It always, market. I
11: mean, it, you, it always bumps with a new president, but he didn't, this it, was he didn't bring anything
21: new. Corporate it, America mm-hmm. knew that they were going to take the stranglehold of regulation off them. They knew that uh-huh. Republicans were yeah. intent on changing the tax code. And so they made I a lot of investment based ahead. on that. There was a change. Do you feel and you- that was because because of the new administration I does he care? I, I disagree mm-hmm. but that's okay does he care
11: do you think that the Trump administration cares about Africa the African-American community because if uh, you look at his recent White House intern picture I didn't see too many people of color up in there well so it just seems to me that he's not necessarily
21: giving African-Americans more opportunity even within his own administration do you think he cares about black people um i think he's an ego i think there are people in the administration that definitely care but i think he is has such a big ego he wants to be the guy who says oh i saved black people he wants to be the one who said oh i saved the dreamers even though he doesn't actually care i think he just wants that check on the wall um okay. which is why i don't fully trust what he says but i do think there's people in the administration that want to make things better absolutely
11: I wish you'd point him out. Yeah, me too. Other than Ben I wish you'd point
2: him out. Meantime, tonight, just days after the president ripped up the nuclear deal with Iran, pulling the U.S. out. Tonight, Israel now striking Iranian military targets in Syria. These are the images coming in tonight. And remember, President Trump pointed to Israel in Benjamin Netanyahu's presentation on evidence against Iran as part of his reason for pulling out. Again tonight, Israel now launching those strikes, they say, after a failed Iranian rocket attack. Is this a sign of what's coming? Our team was in Syria as this unfolded. An ABC senior foreign correspondent, Ian Panel, tonight.
26: Streaks of light over Syria as Iran and Israel, two sworn enemies, move into more direct confrontation. Israeli fighter jets striking dozens of growing Iranian targets in Syria. The Israeli defense Forces is releasing aerial footage of a hit on a missile defense system. The camera approaches the target. Then cuts out. Weapons depots and intelligence sites also targeted in Israel's biggest attack in Syria in more than four decades. Israel says the strikes were retaliation after hours earlier Iranian forces inside Syria fired 20 rockets towards the Israeli occupied Golan Heights. Tel Aviv says Iran missed its targets and retaliation was swift and fierce. Tonight, Israel's prime minister saying. Iran crossed a red line, and in all this, U.S. forces still on the ground in Syria, as the White House also condemns what it calls Iran's provocative rocket attacks. These attacks coming just hours after President Trump pulled out of the Iran nuclear deal. These attacks certainly seem like a reaction by Iran to that decision, and above all, growing military pressure from
1: Israel. I misfiled something, but to prove the point about Dinesh D'Souza, here's Christopher Cuomo, This is a very underreported story. Conservative lawmakers have been stalking courts with one kind of thinking and these new judge may have the longest and most serious impact of anything Trump has, Trump has done to date as POTUS. See? They, they don't, they don't like the fact that the court's gonna start changing away from the liberal bias into a conservative bias. And I say, as a conservative independent, there should be no bias. They're supposed to be enforcing the fucking law. Other hypocrisy. NBC News has cleared itself of any wrongdoing in the Matt Lauer kerfluffle. How do they investigate themselves? Anybody? To our bias 101, Stephanie Rule. I'm not even going to define it. Just listen to this fucking knuckle fuck. And then MSDNC... I think his name's, I don't remember, uh, Ari Melber, I think is his name. He actually brings on a guest to call the President of the United States a fucking bitch. These fucking people. Then we'll go straight into our stats
0: of the day. The first lady's plans to help children, they don't gel with her husband's policies. Policies that impact every child in this country. Less than about an hour after her anti-bullying announcement, Attorney General Jeff Sessions announced a new zero-tolerance crackdown on families who enter the United States illegally, ripping babies from their mothers who have risked everything in search of a better life. How exactly is that being best. The administration appears to be attacking teen pregnancy prevention programs. It tried, but was recently blocked from cutting grants to Planned Parenthood. Last year, it ended grants it gave to government to run local programs. So again, I ask the question, how is this be best as in best?
4: This goes exactly to what John Meacham has said. It goes to what I've written before uh, in, in the Washington Post when I said that our founding fathers actually they envisioned a time when. And John talks about this in his book as well, *The Soul of America*, now available on Amazon mm-hmm. and an independent bookstores somewhere near you. It's but amazing. There, there is John Meacham. The the founders long envisioned the possibility of a tyrant uh, being elected and becoming president of the United States. They never let their imaginations be darkened by a Congress at the same time being so compliant when a when a chief executive uh with autocratic tendencies went in and did the sort of things that Donald Trump did. These Republicans not only owe an apology to this nation, uh they owe an apology to their children. We're talking about vanquishing enemies
27: by the President of the United States. The enemies are his fellow Americans, which he swore an oath to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. And Americans aren't just connected to each other in this time. We're connected to each other through the generations. And we have an obligation to the generations of Americans not yet born to build a stronger country. And the abdication of that responsibility, the founders predicted that one day we would have a President Trump what they could never have imagined is the weakness, the submissiveness of this class of Quislings yes. who hold the title United States Senator, who are complicit in the degradations of our institutions, complicit in the sundering of the nation. We have never seen such weakness, such submissiveness. And none of these people will ever have an oil portrait unless there's extra wall space at the sewage treatment facility. Early this morning,
5: Donald Trump was involved in a good thing that he turned into a really weird thing, depending on your view, maybe a bad thing and a kind of reality show. Trump was greeting three American hostages freed from North Korea and then said this.
3: I think you probably broke the all-time in history television rating for 3 o'clock in the morning, that I would say. (sighs) Come on.
5: We call that not sticking the landing. Donald Trump standing next to three people who literally, let's be real about what they were going through, literally didn't know if they'd ever get home again and if they would live through their ordeal. And he turned it immediately to TV ratings. And this is, of course, as everyone has said, a reality TV presidency and ratings appear to be part of how he measures his job.
3: I was on 60 Minutes the other night, and they got the highest ratings they've had in a long time. I do get good ratings, you have to admit that. I love ratings. I get so... I mean, these other candidates... Why do you always talk about ratings? Because I'm number one.
5: For this special discussion, I want to turn now to a media innovator and self-described member of the resistance, Michael Hirshhorn. He created the concept of celebrity reality TV while an executive at VH1. And created hits such as Flavor of Love, I Love the 80s, and Celebrity Rehab. He also writes for The Atlantic. Uh, Who knew that your Venn diagram of experience would be so crucial? What do you see Donald Trump doing and thinking there as a leader? And as a wannabe reality TV character.
28: So, so in uh, my old VH1 days, they would have called him a thirsty B-I-T-C-H. Wow. Uh, just a little bit try hard. Um, and I think a really smart uh, producer would not actually describe what he's doing. He would just accept the ratings and move on. So I find there's a little slippage in Trump's uh, reality. TV. Slippage. Slippage in his reality. TV the mask raccoon. is
5: dropping and he's speaking as he would backstage about the ratings instead of actually doing the thing that is supposed to deliver the ratings.
28: Right. It's, it's the classic Trump administration malevolence tempered by incompetence. Mm. So that we hope will save us. When you see that and you say that he's thirsty, um, should a president be thirsty? Um, well, I think, I think his thirstiness and his reality TV approach to presidenting could have really significant real world implications, right? I think he's potentially undermining his position vis a vis North Korea. Um, he has undermined his position vis a vis the entire world by pulling out of the Iran deal. So we're heading to the point now, finally, where uh, these types of theatrics are starting to really have a, a significant impact. <laughs>
1: This does not surprise me, but a first stat, the growth of sanctuary cities. Basically, 11 sanctuary cities in 2000. Under Trump, there's now 564. Because the left ignores the rule of law when they don't agree with it and the president doesn't have a D behind his name. And I think that is just a damning thing of that. The inverse was true on any subject. The mainstream media would be covering it, but they don't. 95,745 record number. That's 95,745,000. Let's say that right. Those are the record number in the, not in the labor force. Jesus, I fucked that all up, but I'm going to keep reporting just like I did under Obama. That's the hidden number in our country right now. It's not all baby boomers. There's still a lot, a lot of people working. I'm one of them. And the fact of the matter is, That's how your unemployment gets jived differently. They only cover the unemployment on people who fucking file for unemployment. It's not a true number. Mexico deploys a formidable deportation force near its own southern border. So for all you out there talking about immigration, looks like Mexico is doing the same thing we are now. Phoenix tops out on 106 degrees, breaks a 70-year-old record, and if you're living where I live, it is hot as balls out. It's miserable. It is just fucking miserable already. We're in for a really bad summer. Climate skeptics more eco-friendly than global warming alarmists. A study was conducted by liberals, and it comes down to Basically, people like me, who don't think the end of the world is coming nigh, live our lives more eco-friendly than those running around in their jets like Al Gore. Hmm. Murder of 16-year-old marks the Baltimore's 100th homicide already this year. So how's that uh, less policing working?
6: Hmm?
1: Heinous and violent MS-13 appeals to girls now. And is Americanizing. That's pretty bad. One that the media won't cover. Big drop in generic ballot for Dems. Down to just a three point advantage over the GOP. It had been a 16 point advantage. Reuters and iPost backs away from their own poll. Showing Trump going up. They wouldn't cover their own thing. They called it an outlier. When you call your own Fucking poll, an outlier? What does that say about you? Another article, the media gets trumped. Presidential polls improved despite 90% negative coverage. 90% negative. I think that's actually off a little bit, to be quite honest. Um, I, I just don't think that's accurate. Um, another article, uh, New York Times columnist begs Trump to denounce him. Nick Kristoff is butthurt because he can't get Trump to say his names. And lastly, democracy dies in darkness. Did WAPO just get busted covering for Nancy Pelosi? Aaron Blank. Nancy Pelosi keeps gift wrapping talking points to the GOP, but it looks like somebody wasn't happy with him accurately characterizing Pelosi's remarks. I can't, I saved this for this section because I wanted to outline the headline for it. Basically the Dems forced Aaron Blank of the Washington post to rewrite this article to protect Nancy and Instead of saying she would try to raise taxes, the article, was once it went out, was then rewritten for the digital format and the words on video appearing to confirm she would try to raise taxes. They actually rewrote the article to protect Dems. Comfortably smug. There's a video of her saying it accurately. She would raise taxes. Sam Maverick. I was there, and well, albeit on the second row, and she definitely said it. Here's the video. So as we go out to a music break, I wasn't going to play it, but I want to play it for you, Libs. As the media continue to manipulate our fucking news with Democrat-leaning protection and not tell people that Democrats are the party of me, too, and Democrats... Or the fucking party that want to raise people's taxes. And rewrite fucking articles, which would never fucking happen for a conservative. Here is Nancy Pelosi saying she would raise taxes. On the other side of a music break, news, social media nuggets.
9: They they have a new ad that they put out after you um, said you thought you were going to win the majority that says the title was all at stake. It said that you would like to institute a single-payer health care program and cancel, raise taxes. I think they mean roll back the tax cuts that they passed this
14: year. Is that, what do you think of that? Well, that the true? second
0: part there is, is accurate. <laughs>
7: Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reid.
1: You're the podcast man.
3: Our generation, man. All you people are, we're all together, man. And it's groovy. And take yourselves it's really
4: groovy. Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose
9: his mind. It's a whole new ball game on campus these days, and they call it PC. PC? Politically correct. And it's not just politics, it's everything. It's what you eat, it's what you wear, and it's what you say. If you don't watch yourself, and get in a
20: buttload of trouble. For instance, we
0: have right
17: see these girls? Yep.
20: Two. No, you don't. Those are women. You call them girls no they'll pop your figs.
0: Save the whales. Yet yeah, in the military now.
11: Uh, there was a gentleman, a, a Congressman Hunter. I, I, I once say he might be Duncan Hunter's Duncan son. Hunter's son. Yeah, uh, and he is a military veteran yeah, who essentially good. kind of excused this. I mean, that the problem is that the even within military members of Trump's base, is there real outrage that this is the way people talk about a a, a war hero like John McCain?
15: No, and you know, I have to tell you, as as a military person, uh, you know, and as I like to say, an old Navy chief. All right, and. The difference between what's going on with Trump's military base and the rest of the military is very weird. I mean we have people who are behaving in sort of flight line field conditions where they can make all the insulting jokes that they want and it's going to be accepted but you're talking about the man who took five draft deferments who hid from the Vietnam War who who joked about how avoiding STDs was his way of combat and these military people love him all right and I'm going to to come right out and say it not honorable military veterans because an honorable military veteran if they had heard heard this story, would have said, you know what, there's a line, that line has now been crossed. But they have this cultish love of him where the, the love of Donald Trump exceeds the Constitution and exceeds the love of the honor of everyone who is sacrificed and lost in this nation.
1: And that is Joy Race Bader Reed and some other black guy. Basically, they're the arbiter of honorable. So you're not honorable if you don't agree with us. Isn't that a co dink Huh. So I had to play that in Military Corner. Go fuck yourself. Veterans Identification Cards, the Department of Veterans Affairs, will go out May 4th, uh, which is oh, quite a while ago, 10 days ago. But that's pretty interesting that those are going to go out, so vets will have ID cards and so then go to the VA. That's important. This state's National Guard has been quietly battling cartels on the U.S.-Mexico border, and it's Arizona Air National Guard They have been down there helping, and it's increased 1,600 more illegal immigrants have been arrested since we put people down there, which is really, really good. Then there was a tweet from a gentleman, Johnny Joey, or maybe it's Joey Johnny. I can't really tell because his Twitter handle is Johnny underscore Joey, but this is what people deal with, and, and there are a lot of things that I'm thankful for. One is... Tricare sucks. Premiums go up all the time. You never fucking know what you're going to have to pay and what you don't have to pay. But at the end of the day, for paying about $70 a month for me and my wife, I have decent coverage. Thus, I could take this break from working, even though I'm going to apply for the post office this week and try to become a rural route carrier or route, rural, whatever. Uh, start delivering some mail, kind of part-time basis to get a little extra cash because, um, you know, I want to start putting money in the bank for the inevitable, even though I take home a size amount of money for my disability and pension every month and I can pay all our bills. I don't want my wife to work forever, so anyway, I digress. The fact is I can go see a doctor, but guys that go to the VA if they're disabled and they didn't pay for TRICARE, this is the kind of service they get. After a five hour wait, I was turned away from Atlanta VAMC at 2.30am this morning without treatment or explanation. Here's what happened. I've been seeing a civilian doctor about a year before. A year here near my home and work in Newman, Georgia. Okay, I put my put my glasses on. We can read now. He sees me monthly and prescribes a very moderate amount of pain medication. I'm incredibly healthy and active. In January, for me, he can no longer accept Medicare or Tricare. A business decision he had made, and I understand why because they don't get paid very well uh for the paybacks when they file claims. I began the process of moving my treatment to Department of Veterans Fair at that time. They informed me that my only resource was to go to the VA emergency room Decatur, Georgia, one hour and 30 minutes north of my home, and show my current script, and they prescribed the same meds until my appointment. I work for a living. I don't have a full day for this every month, so my old doc agreed to continue seeing me until April. So on May 3rd, my prescription was up, but I needed enough medication to last till May 21st for an appointment. I still haven't received official medical of. Finally, yesterday I called the number again and confirmed that I was embarking upon the correct course of action to seek care. They affirmed and I showed up to Decatur VA ER at 9.30 p.m. the night after my son's baseball game. I showed my current script to the receptionist. She affirmed and sent me to the ER, fast track check-in. I walked down the hall and showed my script, tried to give full story, but she wasn't interested to check in. was given a hospital bracelet at 10.15 to wait. At 12.24, I was called back for vitals. I again showed my script, this time with full explanation, and was assured that I was doing the right thing. At one fifty-five a.m., I noticed everyone but me, including those who came in after me, had been called back. I walked to the nurse station and asked when I would be seen. They told me that they close at 2 a.m. I would be moved to a different part of the hospital. I showed my frustrations. The nurse walked me straight back to the on-duty doctor who was preparing to leave at 2 a.m., the end of his shift. He was rude, dismissive, and said, I'm leaving. I've been here all day. You'll have to wait to which I replied, I've had no legs for eight years. I ha- feel so bad for you. He then changed his demeanor and looked at my script. He smirked and said, I can't feel this. And I lost it. I explained to him why I ended up there to begin with. And he erupted me and said, we don't treat chronic pain here. To which I replied, I don't have chronic pain. I have lost my legs in war and pain, and I'm pr- pretty sure you treat that. He brushed past me without responding. I thought he was going to get my chart and take care of me. The nurse asked me to sit down. A few minutes later, the nurse came back and told me the new doctor on duty would see me at 3 a.m. at this point. After another 15 minutes wait, the nurse the nurse came back and told me it would be quite a long wait before she would get to me and that... He didn't think she could write a script anyway. I left in complete astonishment. Dear Department of Veterans Affairs, what am I supposed to do? How do I get the treatment I need, deserve, if following your directions, gets me a five-hour wait, smart-ass comments, and turned away? This is not an anomaly, my friends. This is the way it is. For those that have been with the podcast, I went in for pneumonia and Miami's VA was told by a gay attendant who never served a day in his life. And I only say gay because he made sure everybody knew he was gay with statements. I'm gay. I don't have to put up your shit. He didn't even want to give me service. said I made too much money and I was filing under TRICARE. It took two hours of me finally getting rude so a supervisor would come up and go, why aren't you seeing him? I was the only person there. They just let me sit. Because this guy thought he was, just like, you know, Joy Reed and her guest, the arbiter of who deserves treatment and who doesn't. And my thoughts, because he was an African American, it was also because I'm a white male. Fuck me. I make a lot of money. Go fuck yourself. So it took me three and a half hours To get some antibiotics. Because they finally did see me. Did an x-ray and I had fucking pneumonia. This is a broke system. If you go to war and you get fucked up mentally or physically. We need to take care of these people. Granted, TRICARE is much better than anybody else is going to have to pay. I don't pay that much. copays aren't that much. I understand it. But you need to understand, when I signed up to serve 20 years, it was supposed to be free for me and my family for life. Dental was supposed to be free. But after Democrats have gotten a hold of everything, including Obama, premiums are triple what they used to be. De- deductibles are triple what they used to be. And they may not be that much, but once again, I was told, free for life. They need to fix this. So if Trump really does give a fuck about veterans, he needs to get this shit fixed. To our college crazy. School severs ties with Unmasking Whiteness Conference from our last... Podcast: UCCS officially announced that the school has dropped its affiliation with the conference citing the school's non-discrimination policy. Oh, now, after all the pain and suffering, you're going to back off. Great. Activist target conservative professor with white supremacist flyers. We've had a lot of this. Florida Atlantic University professor Dr. Marshall DeRosa has been under fire since March when anonymous flyers on campus declared that he is a white supremacist. New posters have surfaced on campus, accusing DeRosa of having extensive ties to white nationalism and calling upon the university to review DeRosa's prison, EDU programs, and course materials. It sucks. That's what they put on the top. Sucks. And a bunch of accusations that are based on that. They're terrorists. I swear to God, these kids are terrorists. Cornell student government refuses to outlaw political discrimination. Cornell University student government recently shot down a proposal that would ask, would have prevented student groups from discriminating on the basis of political affiliation. According to the sponsor of the measure, other senators balked at the idea because political affiliation is a choice and therefore does not merit the same protections as things like race or religion, but really on the fine line if you read the article and in quotes from these people who blocked it, it's because conservatives don't deserve it, you know, Trump people, white supremacists, white privileges. Those aren't real political views. They're racism, sexism, xenophobia, homophobia, transphobia. Okay. Conservative student cries foul after school revokes an award. A lot of this going on too. Student at Lone Star College, Toonball or Tomball, claims an administrator revoked his academic excellence award in retaliation for his exposure of anti-conservative bias on campus. Quad Lancaster said he was originally informed of the nomination last September or last semester, and was humiliated when he showed up at the ceremony to discover, discover that his award had been revoked. Lancaster alleges that he was recently demoted from his role as a student government president for expressing pro-gun view, and believes a revocation is punishment for taking his story to the press. So I guess you can't have academic excellence unless you're a liberal. Vocal group reported to PC police for mariachi themed flyer. Woohoo! I knew it was coming. University of Vermont's bias response team sent out a campus-wide alert after a student group <coughs> featured mariachi musicians in a promotional flyer. BRT argued that while this image on the flyer may s- seem benign to some, recognize the impact this in- incident may have on, have, had on some of our campus community, and in particular, our Latinx members, L-A-T-I-N-X. An email sent to the student body Friday, the bias response team, fully condemned Top Cats, a a cappella group, for posting an event flyer highlighting their senior show that had the faces of three senior members superimposed on the bodies of what appeared to be Mexican mariachi band members. To some, the image on the flyer inadvertently supports racism and further perpetuates cultural appropriation, which dishonors the deep legacy and richness of Mexican culture.
18: The group was doing
1: Mexican-themed music. So by the end... The UVM Topcats would like to sincerely apologize for the content of the promotional flyer for our senior show. We had no way intended to perpetuate, and they did the perp walk for the lips. Fan-fucking-tastic. I would have told them to suck a fat cock. School agrees to change mural depicting President Trump's head severed on a spear. This is just insane. The insanity of the far left is at it again. In what should have been a beautiful and unifying mural painted during a scholarship fundraiser, a painter decided to adopt artistic license and portray a a bloody, bloody head that resembled Trump with a giant spear through its noggin. But after many complaints, the MAAC Community College, or Community Charter School, excuse me, has decided that they will force the artist to change the mural. I understand that there was a mural painted at the event this past weekend that does not align with our school's philosophy of non violence. It's not about the president, it's violence. I read the statement from MAC Community Chair Charter School Director Tommy Ramirez. We have been in communication with the artist who has agreed to modify the artwork to better align with the school's philosophy. Sasha Andrade was one of many local citizens recently invited to paint the mural highlighting urban art. Andrade Andrande opted to get a little radical for a part of the painting. According to the Tribune, her portion featured three warriors, each with different types of dress. One appears to be holding a human heart. Another wears a leopard headdress and is holding a spear. And at its end is the severed head of Trump with a spear tip protruding from its mouth. However, Andrade accused her detractors of attempting to censor her. Of course, any normal thinking person would point out that a community mural featuring a severed head of anybody, especially the president, might not be the most appropriate thing to display in public. Regardless, Andrade has also said on her Facebook that she has received death threats against herself and her innocent baby nephew. This is just as deplorable, if not more so, but... Why does it always seem that when they do something heinous, they say, Oh, I've gotten death threats. Conservatives are hounding me. April Ryan. Melissa Milano. I need the protection. No, you don't. You're lying. We all know you're lying. Just take your sentence like you hand out to everybody who's a conservative. Iranian studies professor blames Israel for all the world ills. I'm covering this because of all the anti-Israel shit. It really didn't cover a lot of, but there was a shitload this week. I only played the ABC soundbite, but there seems to be a huge, huge outlash that I would call anti-Semitism towards Israel because they're a rand deal. Hamadi Davashadi is the the, uh, professor. Every dirty, treacherous, ugly, and pernicious act happening in the world, just wait for a few days and the ugly name of Israel will pop up. These laughing hyenas, the Zionists, the Saudis, and the U.S. neocons are fucked with the wrong, fucking with the wrong country. And their stupidity and ignorance, they think they're fighting with the Iranian government, they're dead wrong. They're picking up a fight. And we wonder why our fucking kids all hate Israel and are all into this Palestinian shit. Not the education that Palestinians are a terrorist organization. It's starting in our schools. Students protest refusal to ban Sabra with apartheid wall. And this is in our last podcast. The S. Uh, Swarthmore said we're not going to ban it. So they needed apartheid wall. Make hummus, not walls. It is just insane. The wall also features more explicitly pro-Palestinian messages, such as end the occupation, and we will return which is written above an outline of Israeli state-filled and with Palestinian flags. Yeah. A video post to Facebook gets SJP reaction to Smith's email, with one student declaring that all of us are complicit to the violence because Swarthmore continues to sell hummus. President Smith's email is nothing more than empty words. And by continuing to sell Sabra products, Swarthmore is an accessory to the occupation and all of us here are complicit to the violence in the system, and we need to end that. Because goddamn hummus is the reason there's not peace in the Middle East. You fucking nut jobs. Okay, the regular crazy. Alex Griswold, a male professor, got in an elevator at a conference and said, Lingerie department, please. The daddest dad joke ever dadded. Now he's being accused of sexual harassment. Yeah. He's going to lose tenure because he said that and some SJW female thought it was Me Too-ish. Once again, if everything's racist and everything's sexist, real racism and sexism gets ignored like all the time because there's D behind people's names. Tom Brokaw. Jesus. Dispute over rap song leads to protest a Duke and apology from coffee shop owner. Controversy over rap music that led in the firing of two baristas resulted in anger from protesters and a flurry of apologies Wednesday at Duke University local coffee company. The owner of Joe Van Gogh Coffee Company apologized for his handling of a situation at its Duke location. Two baristas were fired this week after Duke vice president complained about profanity-laced rap music at the shop. Robbie Roberts, the coffee business owner, posted a statement on its website Wednesday, after the employee firing, and made national news. He said the company was taking steps to remedy this matter. John Van Gogh apologized to employees, customers, and community for how he handled a situation involving our Duke University store. We tempted to understand Duke's position in this case, but we should have taken a different approach in making personal decisions. Personnel, excuse me. By Wednesday afternoon, more than a dozen protesters gathered outside the shop on Duke's campus blasting the song that had offended Vice President for Student Affairs Larry Monteo. The demonstration was attended by students and some Van Gogh employees. If Larry Monteo did not want them to get fired, then he should advocate for the employees, a Kristen said Kristen Conyer, a graduate student. Amazingly, no one has taken responsibility for two people losing their jobs. Carrying a boom box that looped the song in question, get paid. By Young Dolph, the group made its way in the student union to Monteo's office. He allowed a few protesters in for a short conversation. And this is the song. Okay, yeah, that that fucking song sucks. But anyway... you know, the funny thing about it, if it was the reverse was true and there was like a uh, hard rock song on, there'd be no protest. But, in watching videos of this, they they tried to make this like it was racist because they got fired over a black song. A black artist singing a song. Really? It's establishment. You shouldn't be playing Young N-Word Get Paid. Seriously. That's not appropriate for a business. Moving on. USA Today's Armour recommends NFL realign conferences, white for it, along SJW lines. Yeah, this is a real thing. Nancy Armour is on her what has her way. The Super Bowl will become a battle of champions between the Constituent Supporter Conference and the Know Nothing Conference. The hard-left writer for USA Today Sports says these conferences would be broken down between team owners who respect free speech rights of protesting football players and the ideologue owners who do not believe that all men were created equal, the KNC. By any other name, it's a division based on social justice activism. The inspiration for Armour's new NFL with battle lines drawn by politics Dallas Cowboy owner Jerry Jones has previously suggested that any player who takes a knee should be sitting on the bench. And Houston Bob McMahon, who last year said the inmates protesting players are running the prison. From the article, these two owners are determined to make a show of who's for America, M-E-R-I-C-A, and who's not. So the NFL ought to realign the league so there can be no confusion about anyone's position. These owners know the right to free speech, that protected by the First Amendment refers to censorship by the government, not employers. but they're also smart enough to know that stifling political dissent in a country founded on protest is a very definition un-American. The KNC would be for those who've forgotten what they learned in eighth grade social studies. Then it's clear there are plenty in this country who would use a refresh could use a refresher course. The Know Nothings were a political party in the mid 1800s that cloaked discrimination in the defense of traditional relig- religious and political values. These ideologues wanted to preserve what they saw as a rightful place in the social, economic, and political hierarchies and were horrified that some people were actually taking that all men being created equal idea seriously. The plan makes the lopsided league of nine enlightened SJW teams in Armors favored KNC. And just five in the evil know-nothing conference of losers. 18 of the NFL's 32 teams are left unassigned. Clearly, she hasn't thought it through enough. If you don't like these ideas for conferences, then I suggest the hypocrites and the neo-hypocrites. What is fucking wrong with you people? Oh, I know what you're wrong. I know it's wrong. It's a liberal thing. Big Bang Theories, Jim Parson wants so many gay rom-coms that he'll be sick.
22: <laughs> yeah.
1: Considering we already have an overrepresentation of gay people, trans- transgender people, black people, and everything that it doesn't even make sense anymore. How many more do you want? How? I just binge-watched, like, six different shows on Amazon and Netflix. After the first year, African-American, Latino, female, gay, transgender, all that shit started coming in because they got nailed by Glad. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having black people, and that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if you're looking at your art and all you see is social justice boundaries and we have to overrepresent things, you're probably not doing art. Then we get this one. It's almost as if the only way CNN could get people to pay attention to them is trolling with these really stupid pieces like this one. Patriarchy is a social system that defines men as being inherently violent, dominant, and controlling while rewarding them with power for being that way. Why are we continued surprised when man takes up arms and commits mass murder? Mm Mm-hmm. This is an article. Um... Cartoons, video games, and contemporary politicians exalt male violence. This glorifies echoes in our sports and movies when the right person is performing or it's been being performed for the right reasons, think police officers or members of the military. People even call male violence heroic. So why wouldn't angry, entitled men seek to rectify their qualms with the world through unimaginable carnage? Every social cue they receive since childhood declares violence their birthright. It's what makes them real men. Somebody pointed out facts. They didn't want to hear it. 26 out of the last 27 deadliest mass shooters were fatherless. They need more masculine authority in their lives, not less. Then they ran why supporting abortion is a pro-life position. Jay Caruso pointed out... The author received an award from Planned Parenthood for media excellence. Alexander DeSanti, I've seen a lot of really, really dumb pro-choice hot takes in my day. This takes a cake. It's straight up unitarianism without so much as acknowledge the scientific reality of what a fetus is. I can't get over this blatant newspeak. For decades, abortion supporters defended it as a difficult moral trade-off. Today, everyone must embrace abortion as an unmitigated social good. Today, abortion is pro-life. Why killing one human being to make another human being's life more convenient is a pro-life position. He quoted from the article. Then, CNN's Van Jones tried to provoke an answer out of Waffle House shooter James Shaw Jr. by telling him that Trump has contacted Kanye West, but not him. Shaw's response is excellent. He's humble and complete class act. And he didn't take the bite. More Obama-era stupid in our crazy-crazy menus of calorie counts, now a must in U.S. as Obama-era rules take an effect. Everything must have calorie counts on it. It's going to cost us more money because of the packaging, but okay. Then there's this cool one. How chocolate may actually help combat diabetes. Who the fuck that? World's tallest roller coaster, Steel Vengeance, gets in an accident on first day open to the public. (laughs) That's why I don't ride roller coasters and then this gem man arrested after drunkenly driving lawnmower cutting someone else's grass a franklin tennessee man was arrested and charged with operating while intoxicated on saturday but he was on a lawnmower officers pulled over 46 year old barry ridge while he was driving down county road 100 north on a red lawnmower according to the johnson county sheriff department Franklin Police Department received a complaint just after 5 p.m. When someone was upset that Ridge had driven onto their yard and started mowing the grass. Yeah, that's some funny fucking shit. Legend of the game, Wisconsin man eats 30,000th Big Mac. He started in 1972 and he just Finished his thirty thousand Big Mac. That is just fucking insane. Which dovetails to this article, eating fast food linked to infertility. So I'm assuming the guy with the 30,000th Big Mac probably ain't putting out any good sperm. Prehistoric sea monster washes up on beach as a unique creature. A bizarre creature was discovered in Island Beach State Park, New Jersey on May 4th. Stephanie Hall discovered the body of a six-foot animal which she was returning while she was turning from run. She encountered a seal on the way out, wanted to give it a bit more room on the way back. She went further up the beach and found the fish. I saw this head of something scary in the sand just over a dune. I thought it was bizarre and cool-looking, so I took pictures. Anyway, I had no idea what it was. I posted on my town webpage, hoping some fisherman would answer. They did. Here we are Now. They thought the fish was a sturgeon, a species which has been around since Triassic period, up to two hundred forty five million years ago. It can grow up to fourteen feet long and weigh up to eight hundred pounds. Amazingly they can live for sixty years. Larry Hanya of the New Jersey Department of Environmental Protection said the likeliest candidate, the Atlantic and short nosed sturgeon, were both endangered. Sturgeon up, washing up on a beach is pretty rare because sturgeons are pretty rare. They really are unique creatures, almost like relics of the age of dinosaurs. The picture of this fucking fish is freaking scary. It looks like it is. A dinosaur. And our last, before we go into a lighter, fair, serious piece of how crazy SJW has gone, warning about procedure that reanimates human brain after death. Yale University scientists announced last month they had managed to successfully bring the brains of a hundred slaughtered pigs back to life. The reanimated brains were kept in a state for 36 hours before they died. And the team said the same procedure will work on primates, humans, close animal ancestors. They hope the process could be used to further study of human organs when they are outside the body, which could lead to huge medical advances. Although the pigs never actually regain consciousness, the team believe it could be possible to actually restore some level of awareness. But leading academics have branded the procedure nightmarish, saying it raises all kind of ethical dilemma. Benjamin Curtis, a Nottingham Trent ethics and philosophy, le- philosophy lecturer, said it was done. On humans would be living hell for them. He said, even your conscious brain were kept, if your conscious brain were kept alive after your body had died, you would have to spend the foreseeable future as a disembodied brain in a bucket, locked away into your own mind without access to sense that allows us to experience and interact with the world. In the best case scenario, you'd be spending your life with only your own thoughts for company. That is scary, and I think someplace we really shouldn't go.
6: It's World fair.
1: So it was Mother's Day yesterday, um, and, and you know SJW's gotta be fucking crazy. So here's our first article... And then we have an audio one that's even better. National Geographic says maternal instinct isn't only for moms. Media agrees. Mother's Day has turned from a family-based event to a reason for more liberal grandstanding. Just because the traditional definition of mother offends you doesn't mean you get to change the whole concept. But the liberal media will take every opportunity to preach their weird agenda to the public. You don't actually have to be a woman to be a mother. In National Geographic, Sarah Gibbons wrote that a new study showing that biological mothers aren't the only people with nurturing instinct proved that there were many shades of motherhood that are possible in humans. For instance, same-sex parents and transgender parents apparently have nurturing instincts too. Even though one of the studies showed female mice responded more quickly to a chemical that was meant to trigger nurturing instincts, the scientists said it did not mean that female brains are fundamentally wired to be mat- maternal. ABC News focused on a non-traditional families and how they celebrated Mother's Day. And the lineup was a male same-sex couple. The headline was, Two Fathers Find a Way to Celebrate the Mothers and Their Lives. Even though the couple admitted that they didn't actually celebrate Mother's Day, the story still remained. And yet another story by ABC News. It turned out that even if you identify as a man, you can still consider yourself a mother. In the ultimate redefining of the concept, a parent of five who transitioned from female to male alongside his transgender daughter still claimed that the kid's Do Still Call Me Mom. The story was featured on Good Morning America on May 7th. You know, if I was a woman, I say that a lot for if I was an African American, but if I was a woman, what the fuck, Chuck? So now we're supposed to, me too, we're supposed to be really caring about all this stuff. All right? Sorry, my phone's blowing up. And respecting women and yada 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 but deep down inside men are women too and if you don't think that you're bad to these people i mean how do we have women's rights when more men are becoming women is not that infringing on you it's like okay I, i get treated like shit the patriarchy and yada 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 I just, the whole thing doesn't make sense. Your arguments never make sense, liberals. It's circular logic on an Excel spreadsheet, but for sweet Jesus, no. Mother's Day is not for guys. I don't care if you chopped your fucking chonga off and you made a JJ. you're not a guy. Biologically, you're not a guy. You're a pocket pussy attachment. Let Mother's Day be for mothers. And then we have this crazy this. This was found by my beautiful wife. She was trolling Facebook this weekend as we were binge watching Fortitude on Amazon. Pretty good show. A little weird. Sometimes it doesn't really make sense. But long story short, she found this, and this is the ultimate in 2018 stupid. This is what's wrong with liberals. And I'm not, I'm not even going to press it. preface it. I'm, I'm just going to play it.
23: Yeah. How, how young are some of the children you talk to? Uh, we work from children from three years old. We work with parents from birth. From birth? Yeah, yeah. Just about how to set up a culture of consent in their home. So I'm going to change your nappy now. Is that okay? Of course the baby's not going to respond. Yes, mum, that's awesome. I'd love to have my nappy changed. But if you leave a space and wait for body language and wait to make eye contact, then you're letting that child know that their response matters.
1: What the fuck, Chuck? It's a baby. It's got a pile of poop. Do you want me to change a nappy? This is liberal logic 101. A, the baby's an evil thing that you want to fucking kill. You want to board everything. So, really, it, it... The consent doesn't be needed. They're just happy they're alive. You're a liberal. And then I'm supposed to ask a baby to change his taper. Because if not, I'm letting them... I'm violating their privacy? Are you fucking serious? That is peak 2018. Peak 2018. Makes no sense whatsoever to normal American. But this is the type of shit... You people think up, good God, babies need to give consent for you to change their nappy. The nappy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that, 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 that makes sense. That makes total sense. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politics Podcast. Please feel free to share with your family and friends and send comments about the tracks by emailing F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com, podcast at gmail.com. You can get this show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher. Remember to check out the Flyover Politics webpage at F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com, Fop podcast.com. It's a theme to see links to feeds for the show, links to our Facebook page and email us. Though you'll also see a link to every episode on the episode release page and my blog on the blog page. Our next podcast will be the 21st of May year of our Lord, 2018. I did not do the mini podcast because when I looked up that show, it was fucking horrible, but I will tell you, you should watch 11 816. It's on Netflix and it follows a bunch of people. There's only two conservatives, the rest are liberal, through the 2016 election results. It is classic. Me and the wife watched that this weekend. It is beautiful watching these sweet, sweet tears flowing out of people's eyes because Hillary lost. So give that one a go. I hope you have a fantastic week. Be safe. Stay cool out there. And remember to disconnect from all your electronics and Don't be given the yeah, yeahs. Enjoy your family and loved ones because it's a short ride. Don't want to waste it with stupid shit. And as always, thank you all for listening and take care.
8: Thanks for listening to this episode of Fly Over Politic Podcast. Remember to check out our website at f-o-p-p-o-d-c-a-s-t dot com. And remember, it's a short ride, make every day count.
4: not to blame, and I understood, cause I feel the same, why fire.